I was pretty sure I was going to kill a man. And I was pretty sure there were going to be witnesses in the room. And this kid was had a crayon in his hand, mm-hmm. stabbing himself in the chest, saying mm-hmm. he wanted to die. They drove through some protests and um, mm-hmm. gunshots, boom, 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 started going off. And so they had to quickly turn around to come back. Because if I die right here and now in a fiery motorcycle crash, <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> Welcome to 1023 Podcast, from on scene to on air with those who were there. Before we get started, we want to give a shout out to one of our all-time favorite companies, 1350 Apparel. 1350 Apparel is a law enforcement owned and operated apparel company based out of West Palm Beach, Florida. We here at 1023 Podcast love what they're all about, and many of us actually wear 1350 products while on duty due to the superior quality of everything they make. 1350 Apparel also worked with us to design and produce the first ever official 1023 Podcast t-shirts, which are awesome in fit, function, and style. So if you're a true patriot and you want to support a great organization with a great mission full of great people, go check out 1350 Apparel and get yourself and your loved ones some awesome gear. Lastly, the views and opinions of the individuals featured on 1023 Podcast do not necessarily reflect those of their employers or their profession. Viewer discretion is advised. This is 1023 Podcast, episode 10-3, with the lovely and talented Ashley Fithin and myself, Hunter Fithin. Uh, Good evening, Ashley. Good evening, Hunter. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, so we get a lot of questions about... um, the episode titles, and we wanted to cover that real quick as we get st- as we get started. So um, we title all the episodes like ten codes, like emergency radio ten codes for first responders. Um, and we started with ten zero was our first episode. Um, but people ask us all the time what the ten codes mean. So we're gonna kind of do a recap, and we're gonna come all the way up to where we're at now. So um, ten zero means um, use caution, and it should also be noted. Different um, agencies across the nation use 10 codes to uh, signify different things. But in our neck of the woods where where we are, this is what they mean. So 10-0 is use caution. 10-1 means you have a bad radio signal. 10-2 means you have a good radio signal. Um, 10-3 means you need to get somewhere quickly, like you're responding to an emergency rapidly. So you're using lights and sirens on your um, patrol vehicle, and um, so ten three or code three um, means that you're you're showing up rapidly, and then um, of course ten twenty three means that you've arrived on scene. So if you're going somewhere, code three, and when you get there, you know you're going ten twenty three, and that's that's what all that means. So um, that's a brief reca- recap of the ten codes, um, and what all those mean. And then the other thing we're going to do before we get started on this episode is uh, we wanted to give a shout out to a local rock band known as Ghosts of Grey, Ghosts of Grey County. Um, they help us out a lot and they actually did the music um, that we use at the end of each of our episodes. Um, so you can see here, um, I'm not sure if, for those of you 
watching on YouTube. I've got a Ghost of Gray County hat on right now, and these are pretty awesome. I'm trying to turn my head so you can see the cool logo there. But um, yeah, if you haven't heard of them or seen them um, in concert before, uh, we definitely recommend going and checking them out. Um, they have a guitar player um, named Grant Fithin, and he's okay. So if you decide you want to go and check them out, you definitely should. Um, finally, we also are issuing our first um, challenge for the audience. If you can tell us the name of the song, the name of the Ghosts of Gray County song that we use at the end of our episodes, um, they're the first person to tell us that could be eligible for a pretty cool prize. So you can reach out to us on... Um, our 1023 podcast facebook or hit us up at 1023 podcast at gmail.com um, and that's 1023 with no hyphen in it just 1023 podcast at gmail.com with the answer um what is the name of the ghosts of great county song that we use uh sample the music for at the end of our episodes you can win yourself a prize um, with all that said and without further ado uh in this episode we're going to be introducing the last but certainly not least member of our 1023 podcast team, and that is uh, my wife, Ashley Fithin. So, Ashley, we're just going to get into you. Now, that's what this episode's all about. Great. We're going to start with, uh, where, where do you come from? Where were you born? <clears throat> Sorry, I got to get that cough out. <laughs> um, starting with me. Yes. Um, that's such a loaded question. <laughs> I hate this question. Like if you go to job interviews, mm -hmm. because they they just say, "Tell us about yourself," and I I don't I don't even know where to begin. Well, I guess where were you born? Where was I born? I was born here, in okay. the area. Well, I, know <laughs> I was born in Texas. Born and raised in Texas. Okay, that works. I know on our podcast normally, um, just for the sake of professionalism, and um, we talk to a lot of people who are active law enforcement officers. And so uh, we make it a habit to try not to identify um, where these guys are working uh, currently and everything. So um, we'll, we'll just keep with the habit and we'll, right. I guess we'll try and uh, occasionally it doesn't really matter. And we'll just let locations, names of cities and stuff slide. But if you've ever seen any of the other episodes and watched them in full. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's not hard to figure out. If, if you hear like a beep, like a censoring beep, that's me who's censoring mm -hmm. everything. I'm the yes. I'm the person in the background who's making sure that everyone stays professional. And whenever they yes. say the name of a local town or something, I have to. That's more work for me. But <laughs> have to get rid of it. Have to get rid of it. But, but I guess we'll keep with tradition. And so you're born here in Texas. Yeah, um, born and raised in Texas, and um, went to I went to elementary, middle school, and high school in the area. And then I went to the local junior college and then transferred to the local university, also in the area. Okay. And, uh, yep. <laughs> <laughs> that's, okay. That's, well, that's, that's that kind of in a nutshell. Cool. Well, okay. So we'll fast forward a little bit. So born and raised in Texas, go to school here and everything. Um, you go to the local college um, in our area. Yeah. And that's actually where you and I meet. Mm-hmm. Tell us about what what you do in college. What were you studying? What were you doing? How'd that go? Well, um, I did. I'm. <laughs> I did a lot of different things in college. Um, I first my first major was nursing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, actually, let's 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 backtrack a little more. Okay. In high school, 
I had decided that my major was going to be film. I wanted to major in film. I gotcha. didn't, I didn't know anything about film. All I knew is that I wanted to, <laughs> all I knew is that I liked having the camera in my hand. Mm -hmm. Uh, so, um, but I decided against that. My parents were like, Oh no, you can't major in film. Like right, that's like, not going to bring food to the table. That's not, you know, you're going to yeah. be poor, yada, yada, yada. You're going to starve. <laughs> um, so I decided to go from film to nursing, which is a weird jump. <laughs> a little bit, but yeah. Um, but I mean, if you know anything about me, I'm very much a, I'm, I'm kind of a, a creative type, but also like the adventure type. Mm. So I wanted to do something that was creative, but I also wanted to do something that would take me places like, right. to, like being able to travel. Okay. Yeah. And, um, I liked, I briefly, briefly thought about being in the military. Yeah. Um, being able to travel through that chan those channels. Sure. And, um, so I, I, of course I ultimately decided against the military and, um, I decided against film school and I jumped into nursing because I thought, okay, nursing, saving lives, being a travel yeah. nurse, things like that. I thought that would be super exciting. Yeah. Um, and don't get me wrong. It was, it was like this. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Schooling was um, an adventure every day going to nursing school, especially if you get past the first semester, like the first semester of nursing school, it's just, you stay in the classroom and, you know, it's all the books and things like that. And then you get to the right. second semester and you start clinicals and you go to the hospital and that's where you, all kinds of crazy <laughs> stuff happens when you're yeah. in clinicals. But, so, um, okay. With that in mind. Now, this is a, this is an interesting interview just because you and I know each other quite well. So I already know a lot about your background and everything, but I know that there's some really good nursing school stories. You should, uh, you should recap one of those with us oh gosh which one <laughs> there's some. Um, there's some i've got some good ones heart cath the heart cath one that's a <laughs> that's a fun one yeah so the heart cath one this is when i was pretty sure i was going to kill a man <laughs> and i was pretty sure there were going to be witnesses hmm. even better so <laughs> um no I, I made it into the second semester of of nursing school um, no, keep in mind, I had made nursing school is really, really difficult. For those of you who don't know nursing school, in, in my opinion, it's probably one of the hardest things you can actually major in, especially the nursing yeah. school that I got into in the area. It's one of the it's one of if if not the best one in the nation. So it wasn't terribly difficult getting into the school, but staying in the school is the tricky part. Right. Yeah. Um. So uh, it's I ultimately dropped out. <laughs> Because yeah. it was because I just realized it wasn't it, this stuff wasn't for me. Sure. Um. But before I realized that, I went through some stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Stuff in clinicals and um, in uh, clinicals, you know, you get to the hospital at four in the morning and you stay there till like four in the afternoon. Twelve hour shifts, and you have your certain assignments, your certain mission that you have to do, and you're you're being overlooked by your professor, mm. um, the head nurse who's also just making sure all the students are doing what they're supposed to be doing. And you go to your patients and you do your thing. We also had a list of of different tasks we were supposed to perform okay. where we got to choose to perform. And one of them was a heart cath. I see. And um, I think it was maybe about 3.30. Uh -huh. And, we, you know, we got off in half an hour and I was working really hard yeah. to avoid my professor. <laughs> I was just... <laughs> you don't want to be caught. I didn't want to be caught. I was done. I was tired and it had been like 11 and a half hours and all I wanted to do was go home. I didn't want to be... I didn't want to do anything else. I, I just was trying to make myself look busy without being mm -hmm. busy so I could just make it the last 30 minutes. 
And um, Smart. I walked around the corner and boom, just ran into my professor, of course. And she said, oh, Ashley, I've been looking for you. I said, oh, great. <laughs> <laughs> You've been looking for me. And um, she said, are you busy? What are you doing right now? And in my mind, mm. I should have. I'm not a very good, like, spontaneous liar. Neither <laughs> so, am I. <laughs> so I was like, ah, oh, nothing. And um, she said, great, cool. Do you have you ever done a heart cath? Nope. Um, no. Never, never done a heart cath. And she said, okay, great. You're going to do one. All right. Oh, fudge. <laughs> like, <laughs> great. So um, she takes him into this room where this old man and his granddaughter Mm -hmm. are in and um the granddaughter is like 16 17 years old this old man he's just in great spirits you know he's just yeah. he's one of those it's, it's really good because you always hear stories of old people in, in hospitals who are just horrible oh and yeah yelling and don't do what they're asked but this old man he was he was he was in good spirits he was real nice yeah. and the professor came in and what he needed done is he had a heart catheter mm -hmm. in um and gosh it's been a long time it's been like 10 13 years yeah since um, this story took place. So for <laughs> yeah. those medical professionals and people who um actually are aware of the lingo, I'm I do apologize because I'm gonna be I might be and using the wrong lingo. Keep in mind, this is the same podcast where we incorrectly called someone a quadriplegic. Yeah, and we said something about uh the name of a laxative. Actually, we used the name of like a like a some chemical, kind of chemical explosive like <laughs> <laughs> so this isn't the most scientifically accurate podcast we try we really yeah. do attempts but, are made and we are aware that we are <laughs> we are human and people have corrected us and we yes. have we have corrected it's, ourselves. it's a learning experience every time but <laughs> yeah. yeah so don't don't be too um caught up in the scientific accuracies of heart catheter yes. procedures i do apologize <laughs> but i do know it was a heart cath well so he mm -hmm. had um a hole in his chest okay. and through this hole ran a tube and this tube went directly into his heart. Okay. Well, this tube needed to be changed out. Okay. So, but it's an incredibly sterile procedure. Like yeah. you have to, um, since the hole goes directly to his heart, it's super sterile. It has to be super clean. If any bacteria or germs of like bad germs of any kind get inside there, he could die. Right. Great. This is what I'm doing. So no pressure. I decide. So the, Professor decides to have me change his heart catheter. No problem. And my job is to take the tube out and put a new tube in. Mm -hmm. And she gives me the kit, like the sterile kit and everything like that. And we practiced this in, right. in class before. But you've never done it in real life. I've before. never done it in real so life. First, never done it in real first life. First time. Yes, great. <laughs> and um, of course, the professor had to ask his permission if a nursing student could do this, could yeah. perform this. And he was like, yeah, sure, no problem. <laughs> He's oh, braver than I me. wish you could have said no. <laughs> and, um, yeah. So as she's handing me the kit, um, all of my nursing classmates, like a dozen people come into the room and I was like, what's going on? <laughs> and my professor said, oh, they just came in to watch. <sighs> Why would Great. you do that? I know. <laughs> <laughs> the last thing I need is for someone to witness me killing this man. Like I know. Like, it's going to be bad enough as it is. But now there's a whole panel of witnesses. Yes. Yes. And so... <laughs> And it's a serious sterile procedure. So as yeah. I'm as I'm 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 opening up the kit, mm -hmm. and it has to be you have to open it up, um, very smoothly and clean as, right. as to not get any like germs from the air. It's so, super, yeah. Is there like a like a? It sounds like there's like a 
a protocol of, of like how to even open the kit. Oh yeah, and... there's there's a big protocol on how to okay. open the kit. Okay. And um, so I'm getting all my stuff ready and putting on my gloves, and it's just dead quiet <laughs> in the room. And I this makes me so nervous. I hate silences like this. <sighs> yeah. And me being me, I have to fill the silence. So mm-hmm. I um, I'm putting on my gloves and stuff, and it's dead quiet. And I said, "Golly, it's so quiet in here. Could." <laughs> Someone say something, and then <laughs> I know I was just I was just talking. I yeah. was just talking, and yeah. everyone kind of giggled like <laughs> silence, and then just dead silence again. And I was like, ah, oh, crap. So it's just <laughs> super dead quiet. I'm putting on my gloves and uh, get the tubes out and ready. And I, I take his tube out and put the new tube in, and mm-hmm. everything goes smoothly. Like he didn't die. That's good. That I'm yeah. aware of. I mean, I don't know if he had complications a few days later. Sure, but he didn't die right then. He didn't die right so then, which is good. It couldn't be direct, directly attributed to you. Yes, exactly, exactly. Perfect. So, um, whew. <laughs> and, uh, that, yeah, that was that was super nerve-wracking. And I think it was at that point that I decided that I didn't want to do this. Yeah, <laughs> the, I, I can understand the that. The life and death pressure was a little too much sure. <laughs> for me. Yeah. But. Well, I, I, it probably didn't help that like you had a whole audience of your peers and everything. No, and, like, no. <laughs> I, which I understand what what they're doing, but that's that's super funny. I always laugh at that story. Golly, <laughs> I think I I think back on that story and cringe. I'm just so happy I didn't kill him. Honestly, I'm happy I didn't kill anybody during my yeah. clinicals. <laughs> well, um, was this the same guy or I can't remember if it's a different story or the same story, but. Like, didn't he like yelp out and like was like, "Ow!" Like, no, that was that was another old man. <laughs> okay. Oh, that was okay. Yeah, I always forget. That's a different story. Yeah, but. but no, this that one was he was um, he just needed a shot. Okay. Like my professor found me, and he was one of my stu- my patients. Okay. So he needed some kind of shot in his thigh. Yeah. And so we we went in there, and it was just us this time. It was we didn't have an audience, and yeah. we went in there, and um, I got the needle ready and things like that, and he was just kind of joking and laughing with us mm-hmm. and just. He was again. I got lucky with the old men. He was nice just a nice laid back guy. Yeah, a nice laid back guy. And he, um, right before, right before I stuck him, he yelped out, "Ow!" And my, <laughs> like my professor and I just froze. Like, what just happened? Like, are you okay? <laughs> yeah. And he goes, "No, I'm, I'm just joking with you." <laughs> God, Bro, don't my professor, do that. my professor <laughs> looked at him like dead in the eye and said, "Don't do that, sir." <laughs> I was just joking. Okay, yeah, you can continue. <laughs> Oh my gosh, I about had a heart attack. <laughs> Gave him the shot and moved on, but goodness gracious. That guy's awesome. <laughs> I know. Scared me out to death. Again, thought I killed someone. Yep. I didn't even touch him and I was like, I'm, that's it, I'm done. <laughs> that's funny. So, okay, so you you go to nursing school, you uh, you learn a lot there, but very intense program. You end up deciding like, hey, I don't know if I want to do this yeah. full time. I, you know, maybe I want to go a different route. So you decide to get out of that program. What do you do next? What do you do after that? Um, I I kind of float a little bit. Okay. Um, I spend a semester. Th- this all takes place at the junior college. So the junior college okay. in the area mm-hmm. is um has a phenomenal nursing program. Yeah. Um, and so that's that's the nursing program I was in. Mm-hmm. And so when I dropped out, which was incredibly difficult for me to do because I mm-hmm. I'm not a quitter. I'm a very much a challenge accepted kind of person you're very competitive i'm very competitive and (laughs) i hated dropping out of there out of there but i just couldn't i could not keep up with everything that was going on i couldn't keep up with the stress and the pressure and the long hours and there's that but it's also like 
when you're in a situation like that, like you're going to college and you're studying something potentially to do it for the rest of your professional life. Yeah. That's a big decision. So if you're not really loving it, it's probably good to change and try something else. Oh, yeah, so. for sure. I mean, and I was young. I was only like 19. Oh, okay. Yeah. And I thought, you know, if it was 19 so. or 20, yeah, I said, yeah. if I'm going to drop out and change now's careers, the now's the time to do it. Yeah, for sure. So um, I ended up, and I don't know why to this day, I don't know why I chose to do, I mean, I do know why I chose nursing, but science was not my best subject in school. So why on earth I thought that I was going to just flourish in nursing school? I don't know why. I don't know. I thought that. I don't know. It sounds like your heart was in the right place. Like you want to help people. You want to go on an adventure and all that. But there's a lot of different ways to do that. But Yeah. And the medical field was not the way that I yeah. was meant to do that. Well, not not every job is for everybody. No, I mean, no, no, no. But and kudos to those nurses out there. Goodness gracious. They truly are the backbone of of the medical profession like they are amazing yeah amazing oh, people yeah. Yeah, and i super squared away i will defend them left and right like <laughs> yeah they get paid a lot and they yeah. need to get paid a lot because oh, yeah. that's a phenomenal job i mean i just had that's not a, for me <laughs> yeah I do it. i just had a baby and <laughs> like just a, about three months ago and mm -hmm. i don't know what i would have done without the nurses there like the doctor was oh, i yeah. think i thought i saw the doctor maybe twice before actually having the baby in the hospital mm -hmm. and then he came in and i gave birth and then the doctor left like but yeah. all Say i bye. saw yeah <laughs> but the the backbone like the people who helped me the most other than you right was yeah. um the nurses mm -hmm. like i they were just they're just amazing people yeah and yeah. um like we had some complications during yeah. the birth and there were nurses right there i mean i think there was one nurse her only job there mm -hmm. were multiple nurses in there just a whole team of them yeah and the one nurse her only job was to sit there and hold my hand that's a big job so yeah she was yeah. holding my left hand and you were on the other side holding my right hand and all oh, she, yeah. that her yeah. only job was to sit there and hold my hand and just coach me through it <laughs> and god bless her <laughs> bless her yeah. heart i mean and bless all of their hearts it's just mm -hmm. they're just amazing people anyway so it was really difficult for me to drop out of that oh yeah amazing career field but again i was not doing well academically i was struggling and i wasn't looking forward to going to clinicals i wasn't right there was i was stressed all the time it just mm -hmm. everything about it was like it was it was too much i'll just be honest it was too much and i'll admit it i don't like to admit that but well, sure. it was a lot yeah, I do no. not have the conviction, or rather, that might not be the correct word. Um, I just don't have the the guts to. <laughs> I didn't have the guts to just continue forward in that field. I wanted to do something else. Yeah, no, I understand. So, what did you do next? Well, I floated. So at this time, I thought, well, what am I going to do? I don't know what I'm going to do. Mm -hmm. So I spent a semester just taking random classes. Um, I took an acting class, which was fun. Yeah. You know, my sisters were in theater yeah. growing up, and I was always way too shy to get on the stage. Um, my big thing was sports, so I played a lot of sports growing up, But, um, which I guess you could say is a stage in and of itself. Sure, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I was scared to get, like, on stage and act and sing, but I'd always yeah. wanted to. So I thought, yeah, I'm going to do it. I might as well just take an acting class just for the fun yeah, of it. Why not? Maybe I'll go into acting because, you know, if film school won't pay for rent, <laughs> acting will for of course. sure. Yeah, that's a much more lucrative <laughs> <laughs> opportunity. And I think I just took it just because I could. It was there. Yeah. Yeah, and that was funny. a lot of fun. But um, another class I considered um, and I took was journalism. Hmm. And um, I took that because um, my mom had convinced me to try it out. Right. Um, I had always loved, always loved writing growing mm -hmm. up. 
Um, yeah. Just I sat down in my basement growing up, just writing all kinds of stories, and yeah. I have notebooks upon notebooks full of of diary entries and journal entries <laughs> and just just thoughts and stuff. I cringe, you know, going back to read some of them. I Thank think Colleen. everyone does. <laughs> I was a very melodramatic fourteen year old. Gosh, but um. Anyway, so I, I've always loved writing, yeah. and um, I've always my writing has always been decent in, in school was pretty good. I was always one of the better writers, I suppose. Yeah. Um, no, oh, let's. Well, I shouldn't say that. I was. I didn't struggle in it. Right. I never yeah. really struggled in that in that regard. Right. So um, and then I and I, and I realized that in nursing school, whenever I had just a really hard, stressful day, mm-hmm. I would go to my car, and um, I would leave class and go to my car and just write. Mm-hmm. Just write, 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 write. Yeah. And um, so my mom's convinced me, why don't you major in it? Why don't you major in writing some in some way? Um, mm-hmm. So um, I tried a journalism class out and I actually ended up really liking that class. Yeah. So um, and I wrote a couple articles for the college magazine and college paper and kind of got some experience with that. And I thought, you know, this is this is a pretty practical writing career. And I I kind of enjoyed the class and yeah. I was pretty good at it. So mm-hmm. that's what I decided to officially major in cool. was journalism. Yeah. Yeah. And that was at the junior college. And then right. I transferred that over to the university just about yeah. half an hour away. Yeah. And um, I was my official major was mass com with, okay, yeah. a, with an emphasis in journalism. Cool. Cool. So you go there. Um, now you're at the the bigger university, um, MassCom major. I was also a MassCom major for a while. Yeah, that's how we met. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, we we meet there. But um, so due to knowing you from the past, I know that we both get involved with like the student newspaper at that university. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the time that uh, we were both there, I think you were the assistant editor for the paper. Um, so you were my boss for a while. That's right. Yeah. Still am. Still am. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Little did I know. Little, yeah. <laughs> I'm just joking. I'm not his boss, ladies and gentlemen. That's that's a lie. He's but, my boss. No, no, I'm just joking. Anyway. <laughs> Goodness. Okay, we're done. <laughs> Moving on. Um, so we're there for a while. Um, let's see. There's a lot that could be said about working for a newspaper, especially like on a on a u- university campus. Um but I'm thinking about some of the more notable stories um, that we got to cover and, and mm-hmm. stuff people got to talk to. Well, and that's an interesting thing. We'll, we'll go with that. Throughout your time at the newspaper, I know that you got to actually rub shoulders with and meet um, a pretty good assortment of, of famous people. Yeah. Or at least relatively famous people. Um, tell us about some of them. So that was that was actually the really cool part. And yeah. um I was uh, being the assistant editor of the paper. Yeah. Um, I had access to um I had the privilege of being like of being if a famous person came on campus, yeah. It was either me or the editor who got to go and interview that person. Yeah. Well and, and not to jump ahead too far, but you later became like the editor in chief. Yeah. So then you really got to mm-hmm. you know, save all the good ones for yourself. Right, exactly. So. <laughs> That's exactly. And um I started out as just a reporter. Yeah. And then um the editor at the time convinced me to um, put my resume in for assistant editor or mm-hmm. editor because she was graduating. And so I became the I was the assistant editor for a semester. Yeah. And then the editor graduated and then I became the editor. 
Cool. And um, so, yeah, there are a lot of really cool privileges that came with that. One of the people that came to our campus was um, Betty Wynn. Oh, famous, yeah. I think she worked for CNN. Um, I think so. And um, if she didn't, I apologize, Betty. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but she's a famous journalist in her own right. Oh, yeah. Very famous so. journalist and a very good journalist in her own right. She came to campus to do a lecture. And so um, I got to interview. I got to do a phone conference with her. That's cool. Um, it was me um, and a couple of other. I think it was me and someone, a part of the broadcasting program, mm -hmm. was in on that interview. And she was talking to us over the phone, over speakerphone. Um, and I think she I don't know why we didn't interview her face to face there was some scheduling conflict and she could only do over the phone oh, at the okay. time yeah. so we interviewed her that way and we wrote the articles and then she came to campus and did her speech and lecture and yeah i took some pictures with her and yeah that was that was that was a lot of fun yeah yeah that's cool mm -hmm. um so you meet betty when you met um what were some others i know there's others so one i'm gonna say this but i'm very <laughs> i'm very embarrassed that i don't remember her name um, one of the the coolest people yeah. I met. Um, you're gonna have to get your phone out because I do not I'm remember look her it name because I don't remember her name either. Yeah, and I feel bad for not remembering her name. <laughs> but it was the woman who played Scout on To Kill a Mockingbird, right? Um, okay. the one with Gregory Peck, and um, she came to campus and gave a speech. Mary Batum. Yes, that's right. It was Mary Batum. Mary okay. Batum was her name. Sorry, Mary. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so Mary Batum came to campus and we were very excited about it because I'd grown up watching that movie. Yeah. And so and I knew it really well. Yeah. So um, Mary Batum came and she gave a speech. And before she gave the speech that night, um, the previous um, day at lunch, she was holding a luncheon for various people yeah. on campus. And I was invited to go to that luncheon. That's and cool. um, that was really, yeah. really cool. Um, I really enjoyed her. She was very much a, an independent go get them kind of kind of gal yeah like yeah. she was she was old but she wasn't old yeah she was physically old but she was young in spirit that's cool kind of yeah. kind of person yeah and i, I really her. i really enjoy talking to her <laughs> and um it's funny because that night she gave a lecture and after the lecture she was um giving autographs she was standing at yeah. the table and people were giving autographs yeah, that's cool and um they had DVDs of To Kill a Mockingbird. Mm -hmm. And on this DVD was, the, on the DVD cover was Gregory Peck in like a white suit. Yeah. And standing against a black background. Yeah. And so in my mind, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, okay, I'm going to get her, I'm going to get her autograph. Yeah. And I got one of the DVDs and in my head, my thought yeah. was, I want her to sign Gregory Peck's chest. Right. right? I just... <laughs> Because why not? Because why not? Like I just I wanted Mary Batum to give to sign her name on Gregory Peck's chest. Mm -hmm. I don't know why I thought this was a great idea. And so I'm standing in line, like, oh, this is gonna be so great, cool, this is gonna be awesome. Yeah. And so and I and when I get to Mary Batum, I give her the DVD. And before I can even ask her where to sign it, she just yeah. grabs the DVD and just signs it away yeah. and then hands it back to me. And she signed it with a black Sharpie. <laughs> and instead of signing like Gregory Peck, where I just yeah I th was hoping she would, she instead signed the black part right next to him. <laughs> so it was a black Sharpie on a black, on background. black background. And I was like, ah, dang it. <laughs> like, well, that's cool. Like, I guess. You can, if you can kind of like, yeah. hold it up to the light and see. Like, it's there, I promise. It's there. Like, <laughs> I still have the DVD and you can still see it. But that's funny. I was really, I was a little, I was a little sad about that. <laughs> but sad day. Yeah. Wow. Um, so that that was a fun little experience, though, getting to meet Mary. Yeah, that's cool. Mm -hmm. um, another one that you should definitely talk about briefly is um, Eric Greitens. 
Yeah, the writer of The Heart and the Fist, was it? Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. He uh, he wrote The Heart and the Fist. Um, he was a, uh, well, he did a lot. He was like some kind of championship boxer, boxer. And then he was a Navy SEAL. And then um, he was the governor, I think, of, I'm going to say Missouri. I don't remember if that was the state or not, though. Mm -hmm. um, he got in some trouble. Um, yeah, he kind back. of fell from grace a little bit. <laughs> yeah, there was a little bit of a scandal, as typically happens with politicians. But but before all that happened, um, you got to talk to him. Yeah, he he so. came to the campus to do a, I don't want to say a commencement speech or something, but it was a big deal. Like, he was one of the bigger ones to yeah. come on campus. Um, yeah. Because they had him give a speech at the... Uh, like Betty Wynn and Mary Badham, they all kind of they all gave speech in the lecture hall, which was big yeah. and stuff. But Eric, they put him in the um, big the basketball stadium. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, yeah. so because there were a ton of people who came to see him, and um, he was a cool guy. Like yeah. I, I'm sorry, my stories about these famous people aren't like the most exciting. Like yeah, they were well, cool. Like he was nice. He yeah, was definitely putting right. on. <laughs> I got to meet him in the green room before he went out to talk, and mm -hmm. um. It, he was you could tell he was very well practiced in interviewing yeah and he, done it a few times i'm not going to sit here and say that he was putting on a, a farce or anything like that but you could tell yeah. he's very well practiced answering sure. questions and yeah, yeah he gave I, we asked his questions and he gave his answers and mm -hmm. he was nice and polite we were nice and polite and we moved on with our lives like, yeah. <laughs> like well that was it cool okay bye <laughs> yeah i mean it wasn't yeah it's still cool though yeah i don't have any like cool story of like yo then we went out to lunch and i got to meet his kids <laughs> like it wasn't anything yeah, like that yeah yeah but still like you, you got to talk to the man face to face so. yeah no, that's cool though anyway so. yeah so journalism and and college brought some pretty neat little opportunities yeah yeah for sure not just meeting famous people but we also had some cool just articles that we wrote stories yeah yeah that is true um there's a we could get into a lot of those Tell us about, um, I, I know there was one story in particular that, uh, I don't know if you wrote it or someone else did while you were editor or what the deal was with it, but it caused a lot of controversy on campus. Golly. <laughs> yeah, this was, this was, this, this story was so much, gave me so much more stress and anxiety than nursing school ever could have. Like, <laughs> I thought I got away from all this. Oh but. my gosh, I know. Seriously, I was like, I thought this was going to be a peaceful career. <laughs> well, well, tell us what happened with that. Like, what, what was the story about, and why did it cause controversy? So we we attended a college in our university in Texas. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and at this time, I was the editor of the paper, mm -hmm. and we had heard that the the staff of the university and students yeah. were going to take a vote on whether to allow um, students to carry guns on campus. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So of course we, we do a story on it. Like, Oh, this is a, this is a big deal. We have to write a story yeah. on this vote, yada, yada, yada. Mm -hmm. And we're waiting for the vote to come out. Right. And um, when it does come out, we write the article real quick mm -hmm. and we write the headline and yeah. we do the editing we and indeed we even give it to our advisor yeah our journalism professor who checks it all and edits it and then we send it off to get printed and it comes out the next day yeah and um i woke up the next morning to my phone mm -hmm. ringing yeah and i answer it and it's like nine o'clock in the morning 
and it's like on a Friday or something, or I don't mm -hmm. know, it's Tuesday. I don't know what day it is. And, um, I answer and it's my professor, my advisor. And he says, have you checked your email yet? I said, no, like very groggily, like, oh, mm -hmm. no. <laughs> um, and he said, okay, don't. Mm -hmm. He said, but you should come to the office right now. And I was like, oh, um, crap, what happened? Like, what, okay. what, jeez, what happened? <laughs> so I get dressed and like, I don't even have time to get dressed. Like I, I get dressed, but like, I don't put on any makeup. I just put on a hat and like, mm -hmm. just, just get dressed it. and just, just go to the office. Yeah. And I get there. And um, I get I go to his office and I sit down. And he said, "So, um, a professor has emailed you and she mm -hmm. cc'd me on it. Yeah, don't read it. <laughs> but I just want you to know that I've take I've I've taken care of it. I'd be like, I definitely have to read it now. I know. And I said, what? <laughs> what is it? Like, what? Did, what? Who sent me an email and why do I like? What is going on? Yeah. And um. I, I did end up reading it, and mm -hmm. <laughs> it was – I don't remember which professor was on campus, but she was very, very upset mm -hmm. with the headline of our article about carrying guns on campus. Very, very upset. Oh, oh um, Like, she threatened to <laughs> have the newspaper taken down. Like, she, she did all – she said all kinds of things. She was speaking directly to me via the email, mm. but she cc'd my advisor. Yeah. So my advisor got this email as well, and he, of course, he he had read it before me, and um, he's and he's when he sat me down, he kind of told me the gist of what the email said. Yeah. And uh, my eyes kind kind of got wide, and was like, "What? Like, why? <laughs> <laughs> what?" And um, I was a very very shy, introverted kind of person. I was yeah. in college. I was still learning how to stand up for my for myself. I was still mm -hmm. trying to figure out who I was, what kind of person I wanted to be. You know, I was I was. <laughs> this I was not good at controversy. Right. Why yeah. I became the editor of a paper, I don't know. Again, I don't know why I make <laughs> these life decisions. <laughs> yep. I'm like, I want to be a kind of person, but I my reality never really matches my fantasies a lot. So yeah. um I um so I'm just I'm just having a panic attack yeah. over this this one, this professor who's just ranting and raving about how angry she is and how she's going to yeah. do this and this and that and threatening now, us. What did the headline actually say? So <laughs> the reason why she was so upset yeah. was because the vote had come out mm -hmm. that most of the campus wanted to carry guns on campus. Like this yeah. is what they wanted. This so was the vote. And, so yeah. yeah, the vote passed mm -hmm. and this was yeah. going to be allowed. Cool. And so the headline itself read, students allowed to carry guns on campus. That was the headline. Rock on. Was it? wrong no. no there was nothing factually wrong with the headline mm -hmm. but she said the this angry professor had said that it was incredibly misleading and that students would immediately start to carry guns on campus the next day when hmm. like even though the vote had passed they still weren't allowed like there still had to be like protocols and procedures done to make this official but she she complained that people would start carrying guns on campus and that would be completely completely dangerous right yada 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 because the people who are definitely already doing it now yeah no. uh, yeah i don't, I don't know and she was super angry <laughs> yeah and um the my advisor had said i've taken care of it he emailed her back and basically said mm -hmm. you will never ever talk to one of my students <laughs> like that again if you ever have anything wrong or anything to say you come directly to me. Like he was livid. He well, was sure. so mad. Yeah. 
at her and I'm sitting there in the middle like, <gasps> oh my gosh, these two professors are like fighting over my head. Mm-hmm. And um, so he was angry at her. She was angry at me. Um, he and he 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 was a good he was a mm-hmm. good good guy. Yeah. Um, Butler Kane. Yeah. Was his name. And he was a fantastic advisor. Everyone loved him. And he really stood up for us. But, you know, he wasn't afraid to sit us down and be like, listen, you did this wrong. You did this yeah, wrong. Yeah, no, he's a good dude. So he, he emailed her back and was basically and basically said, so he got really mad at her. Said, don't you ever email one of my students like that again, yada, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. He said, was, um, could the headline have been more elegantly written? Yes. Is it factually wrong? No. Yeah, that's the thing is like, it's not inaccurate no it's not inaccurate so. and it's the headline was a hook mm-hmm. to get people yeah. to read the article yeah well and like if you're coming to wild conclusions because you read a headline like you need you, to do a better job yeah like i'm just gonna assume like you're probably not a very intelligent person like if yeah. you get your news through headlines and headlines alone and you don't actually read and you base your so. values and everything you believe off of off yeah. of, off of half-hearted <laughs> information like which I, granted like not there's some college professors that are really good and they're very intelligent people and they're they're very smart and they they share that knowledge yeah but i will also say that people like this this particular lady are a constant reminder for me that a lot of college professors are not very smart like they get to whatever position they're in and they stick to it as long as they are a member of the the correct ideology then they're they're totally good but they're not actually smart people so, yeah, I can see why people get flustered. You know, they read one sentence, now they're triggered, and then off we go. But There's a difference between intelligence and common sense. Yes. Yeah, for sure. For sure. You need both. Yeah, I have, I, I'm a teacher now, and I have students who are very intelligent, but they don't have any common sense. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Oh, yeah. Well, I've met people that are vice versa of that, you know? Mm-hmm. So, you mm-hmm. know, they have yeah. all the common sense in the world, but... Maybe anyway. they don't have the great, the you know, the highest GPA or yeah, whatever. Yeah. But they're very street Suf- smart. Yeah. Suffice to say, though, that yeah, this this particular professor is just vehemently upset about the headline of this article, which was not wrong, and so it yeah. caused a little bit of a controversy. Um, but at the end of the day, I mean, it, it is. It what, all, we didn't change anything. Yeah, we didn't, that's we what I was gonna say. Is like nothing changed. Like it. I don't know. We didn't I think retract anything. Yeah, I think there's a weird mindset that people get into. Like like today, getting super upset about something and being very vocal about it actually does affect change when it shouldn't a lot of times. But, what do you mean? Well, like like this this vote had already happened and it passed. And so like the system is working the way it's supposed to. But like this lady didn't like the way that it that it worked, I guess. So she can get upset about it all she wants, but it's not going to change anything. Yeah, and I don't know what, if she had voted against it, if she had voted for it, if she had voted at all. I don't, I don't know. know. I don't know her stance. I just know that she was very upset that we wrote a headline that suggested that students could start carrying guns immediately. And my first thought was, oh, this is Texas. Half of them probably carry guns yeah, anyway. Yeah, that's what I was say. Like, I, I know that whenever I was going to class there, I don't know, there are tons of people in class that I was friends with everything, and I knew they, they had guns in class all the time. Like, no one cared. Like, Yeah. It was just, it's it's almost like the vote was just a formality. Now, I, again, this was 10 years ago, mm-hmm. so I yeah. don't remember all the facts about everything, but mm-hmm. all I remember is being extremely stressed, huge <laughs> anxiety levels just going through the roof, and yeah. I remember 
the student broadcast center, which was just downstairs right below the journalism yeah. department. Um, they came up and they were going to do a news story, mm-hmm. broadcast a news story on it. They wanted to interview me. Yeah. And this was after spending all day trying to put out fires with this controversy. And I'm tired. I've got my sweats on, no makeup. I've got my baseball cap on, just sitting at my computer trying to deal with emails and things like that. And they come up with a camera and they're like, mm-hmm. can we interview about the story? And my first thought was, no, like, no, you can't. <laughs> do you see me? Do you? Do I look like I want to be interviewed right now? Gosh, but of course. I'm not really being, ready for this. Being a news person at the time, I knew they needed the story. Like mm-hmm. I knew what they were yeah. doing. And so I gave, yeah, sure, you can interview me. And um, the girl looked at me and she said, you're going to have to take off your hat. And I said, I don't. And I looked at her like with the biggest puppy dog eyes and I said, I don't want to take off my head. <laughs> like, can I not? My hair was just a wreck. This is such, my hair was so terrible. I was so terrible looking. And um, I was just, it was bad. I just looked mm. really awful. And I looked at her and I said, I don't want to. And she mm. said, you're, you're really going to have to take off the hat on camera. She, uh, she was super insistent. And I was like, fudge. <laughs> so I took off the hat and to this, I, I, I never watched that. <laughs> I never watched that on on TV. It aired that night and I never I never watched it. I didn't care. I I ha- I went I went home that night and I went straight to bed and I think I slept for a couple of days because I was done. <laughs> That's funny. You watched it though, didn't you? Yeah, I saw it. I thought it was good. Ooh, okay. I good for it you. Pretty. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I did. Thanks. Pretty sure I didn't, but okay. <laughs> uh, well, so no, that was that was a fun. That was a fun moment at the at the newspaper. Yeah, there's there's a lot of working for journalism has its perks and it's all very exciting. But there are also some really hard moments. Mm-hmm. Um, at one point, I got I was sitting in class and I got a call from I was the assistant editor at the time and I got a call from the editor. No, a text from the editor and she said, "Get to the newsroom immediately." Mm-hmm. So I, I jumped up, I left class right in the middle of the lecture, just got yeah. got up and left. Mm-hmm. And went to the newsroom, and she said that a girl had committed suicide the night before via train. Oh yeah, I so remember that. Yeah, there was one train track that went through town, and yeah. um, she had apparently, or she had died, <coughs> committed suicide, parked yeah. her car on the on the track in the middle of the night, and the car ran over. Mm-hmm. And we had, you know, we had we had to do an article. Yeah, immediately. Yeah. Everyone's gonna be asking questions. Yeah, so. and that was rough. I was yeah. charged with I was charged with two tasks that mm-hmm. day. Um trying to research um i had to call the train station yeah and then i had to call she was a cheerleader on campus and i had to call their coach okay yeah oh my gosh that was probably to this day that was probably the hardest conversation hardest Mm -hmm. phone call i've ever made in my life really i went to my advisor and i said i'm fixing to call the cheerleading coach Mm -hmm. how do i how do i do this how do i talk to him how do what i mean what do i say yeah um because it had just happened the previous night yeah, and news oh, yeah. was it's just getting around. Yeah. Like it was just getting out. Like word word of mouth was spreading. And yeah. again, n- me being very shy and introverted, I had mm-hmm. no idea how to broach this, to- this such a sensitive topic. Yeah. And um, my advisor, he was very he was very good, and he said, um, "Tell him why you're calling, mm-hmm. and tell him that you just you're calling to give him a chance, um, to share his memories of yeah. her and and I to share that's a good way to do it, yeah. like." who she was as a person. Yeah. And if he doesn't want to talk, he doesn't want to talk. He can't make them. So well, sure. yeah. yeah, I called him and I basically said that. Yeah. Um, and he, you know, like he answered the phone and he just sounded so defeated. 
Oh, I'm this sure. Grown yeah. man was just absolutely defeated. Yeah. And I, I told him what my advisor advised me mm-hmm. to tell him. And uh said that I was calling about the situation and how sorry I was that it happened. And I wanted to give him a chance yeah. to share his thoughts on who she was as a person. Mm-hmm. And um he said, Nope, not right now. Okay, <laughs> bye. Yeah. And I said, Oh, okay. Thank you. Bye. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that was it. Um, I think someone else, like, a few days later, was able to get a hold of him and get some kind of quote. But yeah, something. Sure. But I did not want to do that. Like yeah. I, I thought no, my, my editor the, was like, why would you ask me to do something like that? <laughs> on the flip side of that, um, when you contacted the um, like the PR guys over at the railroad company, yeah. they had like a, a way different approach. Right? Oh, yeah. So that was that was interesting. So there was one track that ran through town and this was a small college town Mm -hmm. so and i had no idea how to begin like where to begin on Mm -hmm. on figuring out what railroad company to contact yeah so i ended up googling just railroad maps Mm -hmm. of texas yeah (laughs) and i found and luckily there was there was one company Mm -hmm. that ran through this town we were in just one company there was one company that used this railroad yeah so i Googled that company, got their contact information, and I called them. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know who answered the phone, but they answered, and I said who I was and why I was calling. Yeah. And um, they said, okay, hold on. Yeah. <laughs> and like two seconds later, someone else came on the phone and was like, yes. And you could tell he was reading from like a script. <laughs> yeah, they have like and a prepared statement and everything. They had, they had already, yeah. they had already prepared a statement for what would happen. Yes, mm-hmm. this is these are these are the facts, and da, 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 this is what yeah. happened at you know two thirty four a.m. Mm-hmm. Yada yeah. yada yada. Our train was going through. Yeah, and already a prepared mm-hmm. statement, and I wrote it all down. And um, it was it was a tragedy. It was, mm-hmm. but it was kind of neat because we were just a college paper. Mm-hmm. And we were the editor. This is this. I guess this showcases how good the editor was. We had we were the first ones to jump onto the story and publish it. Yeah. Um. So as soon as we gathered all of our information, we immediately published it to the front page as soon as we could the next day. Right. And um, we were so quick in getting the inf- the correct information out mm-hmm. that the local newspaper in the town that's much bigger, just like a few miles away. Right. Right. Um had to call us for information. Yeah. And they had to credit us in their story about it. Yeah. They basically used y'all as a source. Yeah. They basically so. used us as a source, which was which was really kind of neat. It was really yeah, cool. And I thought, neat. you know, that was that was a really neat well, thing to be a part of. Yeah. That's the trick of journalism is getting accurate information released quickly. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. that's the whole art. Yeah. So, so and that, that was kind of a that was kind of a neat yeah. thing. I mean it was yeah. it was it was tragic, obviously. Oh yeah, the, terrible the, like the situation. Article. But mm-hmm. Yeah, as far as like from a journalistic perspective of like, hey, if you're going to do a news story on something like this, it was handled extremely well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that was probably one of the more, this is going to sound bad, but one of the more exciting (laughs) (laughs) moments of of journalism in college. Yeah, yeah. No, that makes sense, though. I mean, based on what you do and everything. Terrible situation. But from that aspect of how it's being handled in, in that realm, like it was done well and cool to be able to be a part of something like that so mm-hmm. it's also cool because that like that news story helped dispel a lot of the rumors that were going around campus at the time involving that situation um so that was nice to see because i remember like you know myself being on campus at that time um and hearing people talk about like oh yeah like 
you know, this happened or that happened or this is why or that's why. And I knew because of my involvement in the paper, like, that's not what happened. And then when the story came out, it a lot of the rumors and stuff that were incorrect went away, which I thought was it's obviously good. But it kind of was I think it did um, that girl a lot. It gave her a lot more respect for the situation and everything. Yeah, for sure. Now there wasn't 5,000 different conflicting accounts of what happened and why. And it, it all it simplified it all into one thing. Like, hey, this is the official story. This is what yeah. really happened based on these sources. And it was, it was just much cleaner and better that way. Mm-hmm. So yeah. to be able to be involved in something like that is really cool. Yeah, so. that it was it was really neat. And it was fascinating to be able to be behind the scenes working on all that. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Very cool. You kind of know. I mean, it's kind of hard to imagine as a, as a citizen who just reads the news yeah. You don't know all the stuff that goes behind getting that information. You yeah. really don't. You kind of get oh, yeah. you take you take it for granted. Mm-hmm. But. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, so that's cool. So you spent some time with the newspaper, um, and then tell us about what happens after that. After college wraps up and all that. Goodness gracious! Um, <laughs> <laughs> after college wraps up, cause that's such a hard thing. Because after college, I didn't know what I wanted, where I wanted to go, what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm, yeah. I knew I wanted to get out of the area. Yeah, um, for sure. I just, you know, it's one. It's typical. I just, I just want to leave home. I just want to get out. Yeah. So, um, after college, I am um, kind of. I apply. I try to apply for some different writing positions in various places. Yeah. Um. Some more notable places down in the uh kind of the Dallas area. Yeah. And uh but at the time I'm doing that, I also realized that I need a job mm-hmm. <laughs> while I'm looking for jobs. Yeah. And so I decided to um become a substitute teacher. Yeah. In the Dallas area while I'm actually looking for like writing jobs Some and writing jobs, jobs yeah. in the, the Dallas area. Yeah. But also, at the same time, while I'm subbing and applying for jobs there, I'm also in the middle of getting my alternative certification for teaching. Okay. Because... So what is... For those who aren't familiar with that field, what does that do for you? Like, what does that allow you to do? So alternative certification allows you to be certified to become a teacher. Okay. So like a um, full-time without, teacher. Yeah, a full-time teacher okay. without having to go through... Um, a university without having okay. to do the four years yeah, like getting an a education degree. major. Yeah. Okay. So you don't necessarily need a bachelor's degree to become a teacher. Right. Um, you can get your alternative certification. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are different programs you can go through. Yeah. Um, I went through Texas teachers and, um, it was like a two year program, two year online program. Okay. And I'd done this because I'd always wanted to teach. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And there's, here's me who wants to make movies and then who wants to write news articles who mm-hmm. wants to be a nurse who wants to join the military and but i also want to teach like i wanted to do all the things all do the time. all the things i yes. wanted to do all the things and <laughs> teaching was one of my along with writing teaching mm-hmm. was one of my oldest desires and so i yeah. always knew that um not only what did i want to be a writer but i also wanted to be a teacher yeah um, my mom was a teacher and um it was just kind of a, i i loved doing it i loved being with with children and teaching yeah. them and babysitting and, and just working in that environment Mm-hmm. I had was part of a program in high school that I traveled to different elementary schools around the area and tutored and yeah. things. And I, I, I really liked it. And so I knew I was going to do that eventually at some point. Right, right. So I decided, you know, I might as well just do it now. I'm out of yeah. college. Start I have teaching. my journalism degree. Might as well just yeah. 
spend two years doing that program and mm-hmm. getting that done so I can kind of, if journalism doesn't work out, then um, I'll go to teaching or if teaching doesn't work out, I'll go to the journalism. Yeah. Like I wanted to do both of them at the same time. And it really <laughs> yeah. was just a matter of which, which one came first. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. So um, uh, those I spent about, a, I spent a year in Dallas going through that program mm-hmm. and subbing. Yeah. That was one mel of a hess. Let me tell you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was a crazy. I subbed, subbing in the Dallas area. Goodness gracious. That is, yeah. I mean, talk about stories. Mm-hmm. Whew, I, I don't think we have enough time to get through all those stories. That would um, be its own episode. It, yeah, it's, it's its own episode <laughs> in and of itself. But suffice it to say that I did, I was a long-term sub. Mm-hmm. No, I wasn't a long-term sub. I was a, I was a sub slash teacher assistant for a mm-hmm. particular school, yeah. specifically their first graders. Yeah. And okay. oh my <laughs> goodness, let me tell you. Let's let's just say that this class of first graders, it's the kind of class that makes veteran teachers quit. Oh. They yeah. were awful. I mean, it really wasn't just bad classroom <laughs> management. It really wasn't. These um, are just messed up kids. These are just yeah awful kids i mean not all of them were well some sure were I'm, great, I'm sure not all of them are but, but some of them there's a lot that are they're all there they had issues there was yeah. one there was one boy with definitely undiagnosed emotional distress and um problems problems oh man <laughs> he at one point i i was sick mm-hmm. one morning and i got I, I went to school that afternoon and I got to the first grade hallway and all the first graders were out in the hallway just sitting there. And I said, what's going on? I looked in the room and this kid was had a crayon in his hand, mm-hmm. stabbing himself in the chest, saying mm-hmm. he wanted to die. And there's the, the, the teacher in there was with him. Yeah. Just, you know, trying to calm him down. Yeah. And the principal went in there. Um, and this is, was a violent little boy, too. Yeah. Um, the the principal had got a couple principals had gone in there and the teacher finally came out and she just broke down in tears mm-hmm. um just from the stress from yeah. the emotion the emotional stress that that's caused like that mm-hmm. she i mean that this she pours her heart into these kids and mm-hmm. to see one of them a first grader a 7 year old wanting to kill himself with a crayon yeah. because he's just so emotionally distressed Mm-hmm. And he had a really bad home life. And I yeah. mean, that just breaks your heart. And it's just, she just broke down. And she was a really, really, really good teacher. Mm-hmm. Loved her to death. And um, yeah, she just broke down. And that's just one story. This And that wasn't just that only, it wasn't just him. They had, there were multiple children of yeah. that kind of emotional level. Um, I, that is. It was, it was crazy. Yeah, that is super sad and, and very uh, demoralizing. Um, Mm -hmm. but at the same time, like I'm a terrible person and my darker sense of humor wants to know, like, what kind of crown was it that you can stab yourself with it? (laughs) And like repeatedly, I don't, I don't know what he was thinking. He just, (laughs) oh man, I don't know. There were multiple times he tried to run and I had to, as the TA, as the TA, one of my, one of my jobs was to specifically deal and focus on those children. And okay. try to contain yeah. them, try to calm them. And I I don't want to chew my own horn, but I got really, really good at it. Yeah. No, um, I, I could see that. Especially when that's all – for three months, that's all yeah. I did. I went. That's all I did all day every day was go to the school. Mm-hmm. And my sole job was to deal with those kids. Yeah. And to – so the teacher could focus on the rest of the class. And the, mm-hmm. the teacher could focus on the class as a whole. Yeah. And she could do the lesson and stuff like that. I 
sat in the room and sat with those kids and just kind of like put out fires constantly. Yeah. I could, I, I, yeah. I got really good at seeing when a kid was about to explode. Yeah. So I went over there, I calmed them down. And then I went over to the corner and you calmed this. Yeah. My, that was my job. Keep so doing grounds. that over and over and over again, <laughs> I know <laughs> doing that over and over again, I had to, I got really good at it and yeah. I was, and I learned very quickly that I absolutely love it. Absolutely yeah. love it. You're, you're a special kind of person. I would hate that with a fiery passion. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really did. And I, I very quickly learned that this was more of an adventure than nursing or journalism could have ever brought. Like every yeah. day, I, oh, yeah. I every day I looked forward. Every day was completely different. Yeah. And every day I looked forward to going in and building these relationships and calming these kids down and just dealing mm -hmm. with it. I, I, I absolutely loved it with a fiery passion. More power to you. Yeah. Yeah. So you do that for a while. Mm -hmm. um, so this is going to, I don't want to skip over too much, but right, right now go. No. I, I do want to segue into, um, so you get involved in teaching and everything. You find out you really enjoy it. You're dealing with these kind of very high intensity kids. Mm -hmm. um, but this eventually leads you down a path where you get a very unique teaching opportunity um, that actually takes you out of the country. Mm -hmm. Tell us about that. So yeah, I'd always wanted to go overseas again. Like I've I've always been a bit of an an, an adventure. adventurer. I've I've right. wanted to be an adventurer growing up. Yes. Um, growing up, I'd always I my mom had a huge collection of National Geographic magazines, and <laughs> yeah. I would spend hours just looking through them, wanting to wanting to go to these far off places and do this and that. Mm -hmm. So everything I decide I was. Uh, I tried to do, I wanted to eventually lead to that. Nursing, yeah. I wanted to be a travel nurse. Military, I wanted, you know, I wanted to travel. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure what film school would have brought me, but, <laughs> you know. And yeah. so journalism, I thought, well, I could be a, a foreign correspondent, things like that. And yeah, then teaching, cool. I thought, well, I can teach anywhere. Right. And that was the one that actually led me to go overseas. Um, I had, after subbing in Dallas for about a year, and um, I finally got my teaching certificate and I got a job. Um, I had started going to a church in Dallas and at this church, while I was teaching and going to church, I met this guy who, um, grew up in Haiti. Mm -hmm. yeah. He grew up as a, as a missionary kid in Haiti. Okay. He was American, yeah. but he grew up, he, he's probably <laughs> Haitian <laughs> through and through. Yeah. Um, he grew up in Haiti. He lived there for 20 years and that was, that was definitely his home. Mm -hmm. And, um, well, he was going to church. Um, and we, I, we'd got, we were going to the same church and we had, um, developed, uh, friendship and um he had told me all about his Haitian adventures. Yeah. And the school he went to and things like that. And um through that avenue mm -hmm. he mentioned that, you know, the school's always looking for teachers and that he could definitely email the director of the school in Haiti yeah. and get me a contact. And so um so yeah. he did. Cool. He followed through and um I ended up applying for a teaching position. Mm -hmm. I think it was to teach pre-k at this school in haiti okay yeah. and um i ended up getting the job but then uh, just right before i was ready to tell my parents and say that you know i was moving to haiti yeah the director emailed me back and said hey sorry we didn't have enough pre or sign up so we're just going to combine pre-k and kindergarten and we don't need you anymore <laughs> oh okay that was a big blow <laughs> <laughs> like okay fine i guess yeah so that was that was that kind of sucked a little bit but yeah. um um at the time Mm -hmm. that I applied for Haiti. I was teaching at this tiny 
tiny K through 12 school yeah near dallas it might have been like an hour outside of dallas okay and uh i was teaching at this tiny school teaching first and second grade at the same time that was how small the school was and coaching and stuff like that so i was teach. i taught there for about two years and um my last year i started applying for haiti and then that didn't work out but i knew i wanted to leave the school yeah. So then I applied for a different school in Dallas, got that job teaching fifth grade. Mm-hmm. And I taught fifth grade for about a year. Mm-hmm. Um, and then about when that year was about over with, the director of the school in Haiti ended up contacting me again and said, hey, we have position, a position open again. Yeah. Are you cool. Do you still willing? And I said, yep, still willing. And this time they didn't cancel the position. <laughs> they kept it open cool. and I took it and uh, told my parents I was moving to Haiti. They weren't nice. very happy about that. <laughs> and um, off I went. And yeah. <laughs> I taught at this, it was a private Christian school okay, in yeah. Haiti. So it was an American Christian school and the kind of, the it allowed Haitians to um, get American school credits. Okay. So they yeah. could go to college. So American the universities. Yeah. Okay. So it was a private Christian school and yeah. I taught there for two years. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, lived in Haiti, lived in a third world country for two years, so that was <laughs> yeah very so exciting. I guess some some like notable facts about Haiti. I guess um, uh, so. I know from my own research, looking back at it, during the time that you lived there, um, there's one particular uh, neighborhood in Haiti. Um, Port-au-Prince is the capital. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. I want to say this neighborhood was in Port-au-Prince, but. Uh, I can't remember for sure now. This is a while back. But that was considered the most dangerous place on the planet, actually. Yeah, so, it was considered definitely one of the most dangerous neighborhoods yeah. on Earth. Yeah, at, at that time, just mm-hmm. due to a lot of different factors that were that were going on contributing to the problem there. Mainly gangs, I yeah. think it was. Yeah, I could see a lot. Like lots of kidnapping and extortion and, and yeah. things like that. But yeah, that was considered um, like the most dangerous neighborhood in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, like it was worse than... Places in Afghanistan or uh, Iraq or the Gaza Strip or whatever. So that's pretty cool that you were there during that time. Yeah, and it, it wasn't. I wasn't actually in that neighborhood itself. Right, right. I but just. You were I kind of lived close in. This, yeah, I lived yeah. in the same city as that yeah. neighborhood, and um, I know some people who did venture into that neighborhood to do yeah. some missionary work or just general visits. Sure. Yeah. I I never did. <laughs> I'm not doing that. But <laughs> I never did. I, I thought about it. I kind of wanted to. I, I don't know why I never actually did that. But yeah, mm-hmm. I never ventured into that particular neighborhood. Now, yeah. there are lots of other dangerous areas. that sure. I, see, I lived I lived in the capital yeah. of Port-au-Prince. Yeah, yeah. And which is huge. And um, Gotcha. You know. Well, tell us, because like, not a lot of people around this area, I mean, not a lot of people, not a lot of Americans in general have been to Haiti or lived there like no mm-hmm. you know in depth what it's like so just I guess tell us about um like what was it like just living there like just being like what are your ambient surroundings in Haiti so Haiti is a very interesting place it's a it's on an island that's mm-hmm. about a two-hour flight south of Florida okay. it's in the Caribbean and uh it's an island that shares um the island is split on the yep. left side is Haiti and on the right side is the Dominican Republic okay so I went to um, Port-au-Prince, Haiti, to live, and um, it's being a Caribbean island. It's absolutely gorgeous. 
Yeah. You know, yeah. the surrounding country is absolutely gorgeous. I mean, it's picturesque Hollywood. Like, this is what the Caribbean mm-hmm. looks like kind of place. It really right. is postcard beautiful. Yeah. Um, Especially when you get along the beaches. Yeah. Um, I went to a few beaches there, and my favorite one was Coco Yeah. Um, beautiful, beautiful. It wasn't a <laughs> private beach, but it was the kind of beach that you have to know the local villagers to kind of know about the beach and get onto. And luckily okay. we had a teacher who knew someone who knew someone who lived in the village. Yeah. Who kind of, they didn't officially run the beach, but they, they were, it was their beach. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the local villagers there. And, um, so we were able to spend a weekend on the beach in hammocks and just hanging out. And that's cool. Um, yeah. Climbing this, um, paying these local Haitians to climb coconut trees and chop coconuts for us. And, <laughs> yeah, that's and, cool. And fish in the ocean for, and we had fresh fish for Ooh. dinner that night and coconuts and plantains. Nice. And it was, nice. it was super, super fun. Um, no, that's another fun fact. So plantains are not very common here in this part of the world that we live in now in Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, so for those who may be listening or watching who aren't familiar, what is a plantain? So a plantain, I can't, I can't for those food people. I'm probably going to get this butcher to this. Um, for lack of a better word, <laughs> but um, the only way I can describe it is that it looks like a banana but tastes like a potato. Yeah, in, in my mind. Okay, it yeah. definitely looks like a banana, and um, it definitely does not taste like a banana. It, yeah, <laughs> it has the texture and the, to me the taste of a potato. Okay, and they yeah. often use it like they have. They make plantain chips, like potato chips, essentially. Yeah, which are amazing. Yeah, and um. They do all kinds of stuff. Fried plantains are really, really good. That's cool. Um, but yeah, it's super popular over yeah. there. Yeah. So cool. we had a lot of, I had a lot of mangoes, a lot of plantains. Mangoes. Mangoes plantains. are the best. So like, I guess that's another question is, um, what, like when you're in Haiti, what are you primarily eating? Like what is like the staple food? Is there like a vast variety of different food or like, is it like these five things or? There's a lot of um. There's a lot of rice and beans. Lots of rice a and beans. A lot of rice and beans. They're really good at cooking. Really good rice and beans. <laughs> um, at the school I went to, um, the Christian school, they um, the we call them national workers. There yeah. are a lot of local Haitians who come to work for the school. Yeah. Um, and we had some uh, people cooking our uh, cooking the food. Mm-hmm. Um, really, really good stuff. A lot of carrots and beets. A lot of rice and beans. Nice. And a lot of mangoes. And a lot of mangoes. <laughs> a lot of mangoes. Loved it. Loved it. Loved it. <laughs> Yeah. Um, mangoes are definitely my, my, my favorite fruit after coming back from Haiti. Yeah. 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 I mean, I go, I go, I go to Walmart, um, once a week and I look at the mangoes there and they're so small, like yeah. they're like the size of your hand. <laughs> Where in Haiti, they're like giant and they're, they're cheap. Like Caribbean, like natural mangoes. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's so good. <laughs> anyway. So yeah. So Haiti was, um, definitely a different, it's definitely a different place. It's a Caribbean Island. So it's absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. Um, but I lived in the in the capital, mm-hmm, which is yeah. definitely not on the edge. It's definitely not on the beach. Right. And um, let's. I'm just gonna be honest. It's the capital of Haiti is pretty bad. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty bad. It's not, not it's, so pretty. It's not so pretty. It's riddled with um, gang violence. Yeah. And piles upon piles of trash just in the middle of the road everywhere okay you know it's driving around you see children and goats goats just hanging on just hanging on just playing on these piles (laughs) of pieces just piles and piles of trash and which was uh, of all the things i saw in haiti to me that was the most shocking was seeing children play on trash mountains yeah Yeah. trash mountains (laughs) and all i could think of was who's 
why aren't, why isn't anyone cleaning this up? <laughs> anyway, that yeah. I, for some reason of all the things I saw in Haiti, that was the one thing that bothered me the most. It wasn't the gang violence. It wasn't the protests. <laughs> it wasn't the corrupt government or the corrupt police force. Yeah. It was the mountains of trash. <laughs> well, it's weird to think about because I'm thinking of like a residential neighborhood here in Texas where we live. If there was just like a trash mountain at the end of the street. That's what it was. Yeah. Like that'd be so strange to be like, all right, I'm going to take the trash out, like walk down the block and just pour trash all over the ground. Like, okay. Yeah. 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 Oh my gosh. That bothered me so much. That's yeah. Anyway, but so yeah, the port, like it was, it's a Caribbean Island and there, there are, there are pockets of it. That's absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. The beaches. I went on a hike up a mountain once and there's farmland. I mean, truly, truly postcard, different world gorgeous fog yeah. rolling rolling across the forest um that's cool and the farmlands the rolling hills and mm-hmm. I, just gorgeous yeah and then you get into the capital and it's just trash pile after <laughs> trash pile after yeah. trash pile you know dirt Lovely. roads yeah. i mean there's frankly there's dirt roads everywhere and that dirt roads i like dirt roads i like the aesthetic of dirt roads but sure, yeah um it just it didn't really add <laughs> the piles yeah. of trash Took yeah. away from the aesthetic of this easy sure. like country dirt road type things. Well, the roads brings up another question. So, how do you how do you navigate in Haiti? Like, whenever you're like, so you're you're not from there, obviously. Like, you you fly in, you're there. Like, how are you getting around? Like, you walk everywhere, you mm-hmm. bicycle. Like, how do you how do you get around? So, the most common mode of transportation, obviously, is either walking mm-hmm. or um, motoing, is what we call it. Motoing. Um, or it's a moto taxi. It's basically a taxi, motorcycle taxi service. Okay. Um, and um, that's. I don't think there was any. There's never been like an official taxi service right. in Haiti. It's just like if you own a motorcycle. Yeah. You um can offer your services to take people around. It's Haitian Uber. Just basically a freelance. Okay. Essentially a freelance Ubering service. Cool. Um, and motorcycles are the biggest. Um, that's probably the main mode of transportation because they're so they were so small and agile. Yeah, and get, yeah. get fuel efficient. The yeah, fuel yeah. efficient. Mm-hmm, exactly. So a lot of people had motorcycles. Okay. Um, and a lot of people offered their services just to take people around. Right. Yeah. On motorcycles. Um, there was this, <laughs> and it's it's kind of a, it's kind of a fascinating fascinating little thing because at one point, um, a, f- a few of us went on a big old hike, um, up a mountain and then um down the mountain to uh, a little town, uh, Jacques Mel. Chuck Mel. Um, beautiful little, beautiful little Haitian town. Yeah. And um, we uh, needed we we needed to get back to our Airbnb that we were staying at, and so we decided to moto back. Hmm. And um, it's funny. I had like I had on this cute little sundress, you know, and things like that. <laughs> we had just gotten done with a night of like just going to the beach or going to the beach and having yeah. dinner and stuff like that. And yeah, we um found a group of guys mm-hmm. who we didn't know. Yeah. Um, who were riding motorcycles and, uh, we, uh, <laughs> you know, you, you pay, you say, Hey, can you take us to this place? And they're like, yeah, sure. So you give them the mm-hmm. money and they take you. And at one point I'm, I'm riding on this back of this motorcycle Yeah. and I just have my sundress on. We're riding. <laughs> it's at nighttime. Yeah. I don't have a helmet on and he's going like, I don't, he's going like speeding, like 70, 80, <laughs> 90 down this highway, just parallel to this beach yeah. at nighttime. Nice. And at this at that point in my life, I thought, you know, this is very dangerous. <laughs> I am on the back of a stranger's motorcycle without a helmet mm-hmm. on at night, yeah. going like 90 down the highway. He could take me anywhere. Yeah. He could take me anywhere. 
Yeah. Just straight up kidnap me for all for all I know. Mm-hmm. Which is really common in the area. Yeah, yeah. Kidnapping uh, <laughs> kidnapping it's it's not unknown for Americans to be kidnapped, mm-hmm. for held for ransom, not right. completely unknown. So I'm sitting there on the back of this strange man's motorcycle. Winging it. Uh, just assuming he's <laughs> going to take me to where I, I paid for him to take me to, to go. And yeah. And I thought, you know what? I don't mind. I was <laughs> I was feeling so peaceful in this moment. I was like, you know what? I'm I'm okay with this. If yeah, I die whatever. right here and now in a fiery motorcycle crash. <laughs> that's okay my life is good right now like right. i was just at peace with like the whole moment um it was really nice that's cool i don't think i've ever been that content but that's cool mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. yeah well so uh, that brings up another question like when you're in haiti and let's say you're trying to get somewhere and it's a considerable distance away so you've made the decision that you're gonna take this moto taxi yeah um is english pretty common there like a lot of people speak english or because i know um well, you you can speak more to like the language that's spoken there and everything. Yeah, it's the main language. I think the the business language is French. French, okay. And the official language is Haitian Creole. Okay. Which and, I am not fluent in either. <laughs> right. Well, and, and that's another interesting thing because I didn't know until I got to talking to you about it um, that kind of like the history of, of Haiti, like the history of the country is, um, it's actually really, it's really cool. They're... The first, um, like, predominantly black um, country to win their independence and become their own nation, and mm-hmm. and they won their independence from France. So yeah, um, yeah. Uh, so Haitian Creole, correct me if I'm wrong, is very, very heavily French influenced as a language. Yeah, it's very similar. For example, okay. you have like uh, the French word bonjour. Bonjour. Okay. I can't. Hello. Like again, I can't say it. Me neither. Bonjour. Uh, I'm a Texan. So. I'm a Texan. It's bonjour. No. <laughs> <laughs> Name that movie, ladies right. and gentlemen. Um. Anyway, and um. So it's a bonjour, but in Haitian Creole, it's bonjour. Bonjour. Okay. Yeah, so it's, super it's similar. Very similar. Like okay. merci is French, and then messi is, is the Haitian for. Haitian, yeah. Is that thank you? I think it's yeah. Thank you. Okay. Um. Very similar, very heavily French based. Okay, language okay. a lot of di- a lot of differences for sure. Okay, um, but so, a lot of similarities as well. Okay, so when you're getting like these moto taxis, are you having to have like a little bit of like conversational Creole or French to get where you want to go? Or I had, you- yeah, I it was very. Okay. I, I never personally went to. I never asked a moto taxi service by mm. myself. To go okay. somewhere, I always had someone with me who could speak better Haitian okay, than I could. Yeah, yeah. So I never really had to worry about that. But yeah, there was definitely there was for me personally there was a language barrier because I didn't speak fluent Haitian. I see. And um, I learned enough to kind of get by as mm-hmm. if 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 like I could I could say like just a few basic phrases. Sure, but if someone that. started like trying to have a conversation, <laughs> no, I'm just completely lost. Yeah. Going to the grocery store by myself was difficult. Yeah. Um, and I didn't do that often, but I did sometimes. And all the whole time, I just thought, oh, please don't talk to me. Please, nobody try to talk to me. Don't, don't talk to me. Yeah. Just take my money and let me go. <laughs> yeah. So. Well, okay. So just because I've heard this story before, you should tell the story of, uh, uh, was it a coworker you had or another American that was there that decided to go on an adventure to the grocery store to get hot chocolate? Oh, no. <laughs> you, you, you should tell the story. <laughs> I don't... Okay. <laughs> okay. This isn't... Oh, man. I can't believe you're making me tell the story. I'm not making you. It's <laughs> a good one. <laughs> uh, it's, it's a little... Okay. It's a little raunchy. It's a little vulgar, but it's a, little it's a good vulgar, story. Yeah. But um, I had... <laughs> dang it. <laughs> I had... Um, I, this is not my story. Right, right. I had heard of this story 
from someone else who had heard it from someone else. Oh, okay, okay. Okay. So this is not, so this did not happen to me. Right, right. Three times removed. Yeah, three times removed. But <laughs> this story, oh, this story, I can't believe. So the story was told to me because I almost made the same mistake. Oh, okay. Yeah. And, and I, and, and to, I'll preface the story with my own little short, short story. A group of us were hanging out, a group of mm -hmm. teachers, and there yeah. were some Americans, there were some Haitians, there was just a little bit of everyone hanging out. Yeah. And I wanted, um, it was, I think it was, I wanted hot chocolate. Okay. Yeah. I wanted hot chocolate. Yeah. Um, but instead of saying hot chocolate, I said, um, I just kind of briefly mentioned, does anyone have any cocoa? Cocoa. And there yeah. was a Haitian man in the room who looked at me with like just <laughs> stunned silence. Yeah. And people started laughing and I was like, What's so funny? Yeah. And then he told me this story. Okay. So then this Haitian man told me the story of this of this American. I think she was American. It was someone who didn't speak Haitian. Right. She was in Haiti. Mm-hmm. And she really wanted um, chocolate. Yeah. But she didn't know the word. She didn't know the Haitian word for chocolate. And so she right. just kind of naturally assumed it was cocoa because cocoa yeah. is a very kind very of a common. kind of a common yeah. word for chocolate. The, the cocoa plant. And everyone kind of knows what that means. Yeah, yeah, cocoa. And so she starts she's she's going along the streets of Haiti, mm -hmm. going these to these different little little street shops and things like that, saying, Hey, do you do you have cocoa? And she was saying she 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 knew enough Haitian to say the phrase, um, um mueble, mueble coco, which is I, I want cocoa or right. um cocoa you you have cocoa or right. I think that's you need cocoa I don't know anyway yeah. she knew enough to ask right right and every time she'd ask this 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 for she'd ask for cocoa she they they would just look at her they'd either look at her like they were just shocked <laughs> they would back away or they'd just start laughing mm -hmm. um and she did this to a couple people like they'd start laughing at her she'd say okay I don't know what's going <sighs> on so she'd go to the next person and they'd look at her like oh no that's so like no 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 and they'd just freak yeah. out and they'd just leave her alone mm -hmm. she finally came across a good Samaritan who she asked she said <laughs> you know do you have cocoa I want cocoa uve yeah. ubezwe cocoa things like that yeah and she um this person started laughing and she yeah. said, what's so funny? Yeah. Like, why does everyone keep laughing at me? Mm -hmm. And he said, do you know what Coco means? <laughs> <laughs> and she said, no, what, what does it mean? And she said, and this woman said, it means vagina. <laughs> and so she had uh, gone around, <laughs> she had gone around <laughs> asking people in Haitian, you want vagina? I need vagina. Do you have vagina? Get away from you, pervert. I know. Like. <laughs> it's bad. And so this story was told to me. So I never said Coco again while I lived in Haiti. <laughs> like that's going to go on the no-no word just say, list. Just like... say hot chocolate or just say chocolate. Yeah. <laughs> They'll know what you mean. And so that story was told to me. Um, uh, it's, well, it's, a, it's a bit of a vulgar story. And... Um, <laughs> At least you were spared the same embarrassment of. Oh, I know. I only I only made the mistake when I was in a small group of people. Yeah, yeah. I didn't. I didn't just go around the streets of Haiti just shouting. Yep. Wave like Coco. Like. Yeah. <laughs> this is bad. I'm sure everyone in the area is like, remember when that like really crazy like American lesbian was walking around like. <laughs> it's, yeah. So. so no wonder people were laughing at her or just just absolutely shocked and yeah, just like, decided to back away from her like this crazy woman yep, yep. that's uh I'll, yeah that's super funny so yeah and 
there's definitely a language barrier going going on. Yeah. Luckily, yeah. my friend, um, my friend Mark, who um, lived in Haiti, and he's yeah. the one who got me in contact when I moved to Haiti. Yeah. He also had moved back to Haiti, and we were teaching at the same school. Mm, okay. Yeah. And um, he could speak fluent Haitian. Okay. Yeah. And so, luckily, he translated a lot. <laughs> That's good. And whenever That's he good. went to the store, I went with him. Like, you going to the store? Okay, good. I'll go too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, anyway. okay. So that. Sorry, I'm thinking of a lot of your Haiti stories now. There's a lot. Yes. We won't have enough time to share yeah. them all. But No, no. But another good one that I think you should share is um, there was someone uh, in a, a group that you were with that spoke fluent Creole. Um, but y'all, y'all got stopped by like the Haitian police. Mm-hmm. Tell us about that. So I'll preface this by saying that the Haitian police have a, have a reputation of being a bit corrupt. Yeah, um, to, to say it mildly. Yeah, they're very military. Help me say this word, militaristic. Yeah, did I say that correctly? Yeah. Okay, yeah. good. I have a hard time with my R's sometimes. <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, Haitian police, um, their presence is feared, and not right. the not yeah. you know people don't feel safer when they're around necessarily. Right. So, um, a group of us, um, it's very common for people to pay off the police. Right. Yeah. And um, a group of us bunch of white american girls mm-hmm. yeah. were in a car and there's one the girl who was driving whose car it belonged to cars are very expensive there yeah and um because they have to be imported right and uh we had um come back f- we were driving back from some kind of event we were going we had just gone to and um she had just bought the car so she was mm-hmm. a definitely a long-term missionary there and yeah. so she was there for a good while okay she had just bought the car and we were driving and the Haitian police stopped us mm-hmm. and we thought, oh, great. Here we go. It's Haitian police seeing just a, a, a car full of these white American girls. Yeah. They're here yeah. to take advantage of us. They like they're going to tow the car. They're going to try to suck us dry of as much money. Sure. I, I don't know what they're what we don't want what they were doing. Yeah. And um, so this guy came up to the window and uh, he said and of course, all this takes place in Haitian. It was later translated to mm-hmm. me. Yeah. And he basically said that her tags were wrong. Okay. And um, she said she kind of politely argued, no, they're not. Here's my registration. Here's this and this and that. And he was very, 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 very insistent they were wrong. Yeah. And um, we were we were we were all of us were pretty ready to step out of the car and mm. uh, have they were going to tow the car away. We were going to have to go to the police station and get the t- car back. And it was just going to be this huge ordeal. Yeah. They were just taking advantage of us. Mm-hmm. And um, it was. <laughs> The Haitian police carry around, it's very common for them to carry around these giant guns mm-hmm. just across their back. I don't know, AR-15s or AK-47s. I don't know what they were, yeah, but um, they, you know, carry these around. So this, and there's a group of them. Mm-hmm. There's not just one police officer. I think there's a group of them behind us, like just yeah. chit-chatting. And then one of them comes up to us and we're like, oh my gosh, we're, <laughs> we're going to be in so much trouble. Mm-hmm. And um, luckily we had, we worked at a school. And the public relations person at the school, yeah. who was also American, she happened to be dating the police officer that, like, trained mm-hmm. the other police officers. Okay. Like, he trained. He's some kind of instructor. He's he's definitely high, high up okay. in the in the police force, for yeah. sure. Yeah. And so we called her to call him yeah. to come down here. We were trying to get our <laughs> way out of this. Yeah. And because... Um, we were sure that we were correct. We mm-hmm. were with our, they were just taking advantage of us. Yeah. So 
she calls him. He comes down there and he's chatting with us and he talks to his police officers. He's talking, 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 talking. And I don't we don't know what he's saying to these guys because he they go they go behind the car and he's talking to them. Mm-hmm. So he could be saying all kinds of stuff. He could be saying, listen, these these white people are just dumb and stupid. They don't know what they're doing. Just let them go. Like, I don't <laughs> yeah, know what he's saying. saying I, yeah. I don't know what he's saying to try yeah. to get us off. Mm-hmm. And so he, he the boyfriend comes back to the window and he says, listen, he's correct. Mm-hmm. You read your title, something about the car is wrong. Yeah. is wrong, and he has every right to stop you and, and tow it away. Mm-hmm. Um, he said, but I've convinced him to let you guys go. And we're mm-hmm. like, oh, thank goodness. And then he says, I recommend that you pay him <laughs> as a thank you for letting him, like, uh, for, just pay him. Yeah. And we were like, okay, yeah, yeah, we'll pay him. And so <laughs> like, we, we all try to, like, gather yeah. up all the cash we have and pay mm-hmm. him off and to let yeah. us go, essentially, it's yeah. we took advantage of the system. We paid him off to let us let uh, him go, but yeah, it was. I, I was never in fear of my life or anything like that. Sure. It was just kind of a funny situation. Mm-hmm. There were times that you do kind of fear for your life, mm-hmm. especially during the year of all the protests. Um, yeah, yeah, and the gang violence, the protesting, and stuff like that. I know during that yeah. year, some teachers had tried going to the grocery store. Yeah. Which was a bad idea at the time because there were such large protests and there were gunshots everywhere and they had to turn around and come back. But I wasn't in the car at the time. I was Mm -hmm. was too much of a wuss, I suppose. (laughs) I stayed home. Too smart. (laughs) I stayed home and I was like, y'all can go risk your lives for some food. I'm going to stay here. Like, listen, man, like I like rice and beans as much as the next guy, but not that much. So, um, but, uh, yeah, the police force is a bit scary. Yeah. Sometimes. Okay. So that. That brings up another, um, um, perhaps one of the highlights of, of your time there. So at the school you were teaching at, um, I know that there was a lot of, like a lot of the students there were very, uh, came from very affluent Haitian families mm-hmm. where, you know, their um, more wealthy parents are sending them to this uh, expensive American school to get them ready to go to American universities and all that. Yeah. One of those students, though, um, at your school was the son of the Haitian president, correct? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Tell us about that. Yeah, so that was my first year there. I taught there for two years. And my first year, I taught kindergarten. Okay. And um, the son of the president of Haiti at the time mm-hmm. yeah. was going to our school. Yeah. Um, so that was interesting um, because his bodyguards would hang out in the parking lot all day while he went to school. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and you just you just see his bodyguards hanging out with their AK-47s, just hanging mm-hmm. out and talking while he just chilling. Tra- just chilling. And they were like right like the the um, the kindergarten class was upstairs. Yeah. And there was a balcony and everything. And I could I'd walk out of class and look down in the parking lot. And there, yeah. there, there they were just hanging out with their <laughs> AK-47s, just chit-chatting and laughing. Yeah, that's cool. All day long, just hang, talking to the school guards. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh so that that was interesting, and it, it was one time I was chosen as a chaperone for the senior trip yeah. that year, and the senior trip is you hike up a mountain and stay at this this really sketchy kind of weird cabin yeah. up at the top of the mountain, <laughs> and um, it was weird. I mean, it was fine, but it was weird. Yeah, and um, and then you hike back down, mm-hmm. and I was chosen as a chaperone. There were like four chaperones, and I think I wasn't really chosen. I was. They asked if I wanted to go, and me being the adventure was like, hey, yeah, I'll go. Like, yeah, sure, why sure, not? Sure, why not? And so um, we were hiking up there and the audience has to know that I'm a, I'm a very anxious person, <laughs> a very, very anxious person. Yeah. And um, I, I'm paranoid, worry about everything. I have, I have worst case scenarios. I play the worst case scenario game in my head all the time. Mm-hmm. The what if, what yeah. am I going to do with this situation? Yeah. I mean, you being a cop, 
Oh yeah, yeah. We that's, play that game professionally all yeah. the time. So, so I just play that. I've played that yeah. game ever since I was like five years old. So yes, that's just yeah. my life. Good. Yeah. <laughs> and so why I decided to move to one of the more dangerous countries in the world. Who I knows? don't know. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> but I did. You're an enigma. Um, you know how difficult it is to be such an anxious person, but to mm. want adventure so much and to have those two <laughs> things clash constantly in your mind. Yeah. It's very difficult to live with. <laughs> um, but anyway, so here I am hiking up this mountain. Yeah. Um, and as it's, it's, we start as a group. Yeah. A tight group. And then, you know, of course, as the hike, it's a huge hike. Yeah. And so as, you know, as the hike goes on, you kind of, the group kind of spreads out. And so here's, I'm walking with just like two or three students mm-hmm. by the time we get there. Well, on the way there, you yeah. know, I'm in a very unfamiliar situation. Right. I, I am, yeah. I am, I am the adult of this tall, small group yes. that I'm with. I am the yeah. adult. Um, but I'm also not familiar with this area at all. So right. I, I don't feel like I'm. I feel like I should be in charge, but I don't feel like I could be in charge. Yeah. Like yeah. The, the students were more familiar with the surroundings than I was. So I had yeah. to, I had to trust them a little more than I had, that I, that I could trust myself. Right. Um, and we would pass, it was a very peaceful mm-hmm. walk in hindsight, yeah. like nothing, nothing happened. But mm-hmm. in my mind, I'm thinking all this stuff could happen. Sure. Yeah. Because we passed by, um, along this giant hike, we passed through these villages. Yeah. Um, a cute, lovely, like just, mountainside villages and when mm-hmm. i say villages they truly were like villages like these yeah. these huts kids playing with chickens outside and yeah and you know soup and stuff cooking in the pot and yeah um goats marching through and women with these giant <laughs> women with these giant like um baskets of bananas on their heads yeah. it's, it's really funny so, uh, yeah go on quick quick pause in the in the hiking um with the with the haitian president's son story mm-hmm the goats. So yeah. I know that goats are a big deal there. Mm-hmm. Um, talk about that a little bit. Well, the goats are, um, this is what I heard. Okay. There are goats. Goats can roam and do whatever they want to uh-huh. because um, it's well known that the goats, you don't mess with a goat that's not yours. Right. Because the owner of that goat could have put a curse on the goats. Ah, yes. So you want to avoid goat curses. And that's why... And correct me if I'm wrong. I know you've told me these stories before, but mm-hmm. like even in like Port-au-Prince, like in the city, like mm-hmm. the the capital of Haiti, there's just goats. Oh, there's goats everywhere. Just like run around town and are in the streets. And oh yeah. Like nobody does anything about them because they don't want to touch them and be because cursed. Because they're cursed. And, yeah. yeah, exactly. So, so there are goats everywhere. Okay. Everywhere. So <laughs> goats just just roaming about like people. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. Essentially. <laughs> and so yeah, then there's these goats just. Hiking up this mountain, doing this okay, thing, cool. and uh, I just wanted to, that's an interesting detail. I tidbit, thought we should mention, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and it's funny because I thought I was in shape before <laughs> before this hike, and yeah. a couple few of us were sitting there just dog tired. There yeah. are these set of steps going up this mountain. I think, gosh, correct me if I'm wrong. Anybody who knows what I'm talking about, um, the the devil stairs or the devil's something or other like they were just super super steep and really tough someone else called them the um stairways to hell i don't know Hmm. they were they're just really really steep yeah and um so we're just i'm dog tired and these these seniors these young fit seniors 18 year olds are super dog tired as well so we're all sitting on the side of this this um trail Mm -hmm. in the middle of these steps just just breathing hard oh man we're so tired yeah and these like 80 year old women haitian women yeah are with like tons 
like pounds and pounds of bananas on top of their head yeah. are walking past us up this up these <laughs> up these mountains laughing their heads off at us yeah. <laughs> they, they've got like the calves the size of like nfl football players then these 80 year old women are walking yeah. past us just laughing at these <laughs> yeah well i'm sure you know they're they're doing that hike daily and they have yeah. been for decades i was so, so jealous i was like goodness gracious they're strong yeah and they're laughing at us and i just i we deserved it we were <laughs> <laughs> we look we were so weak compared to them um anyway so we're hiking up this mountain and i'm back to my anxiety yeah i'm in a very unfamiliar place i don't feel well equipped to defend myself in any way i don't know these villages we're passing through i don't know if they're safe i don't know who these people are mm -hmm. yeah. we're very much in civilian clothes they are not right we look like we have money yeah it's not that uncommon for people who look like they have money to be kidnapped for ransom in right Haiti. yes it happens it happens frequently so i'm thinking i'm going through my worst case scenarios in my head i'm what if this what if that da, yeah. Da, da, da. yeah what if we get kidnapped what will i do mm -hmm. and i'm just my anxiety is just kind of going through the roof as we're hiking up this mountain right and um at the time, we were the president's son was also kind of in our group, mm -hmm. and um, his bodyguards obviously came with us. Yeah, and his bodyguards dressed up in civilian clothes. The only difference was that they were carrying their their AK forty sevens on their back, nice just hiking up in the mountain. And so I'm where I'm hiking, and I'm going through these worst case scenarios in my head, and I'm thinking, and I look at these guys, these bodyguards, and I'm like, oh, oh, they've got they've got their AK forty sevens. So if anything goes down, we're perfectly fine. Right. Like they got their AK-47s. Mm -hmm. And then I realized, oh, they're not here for me. <laughs> yeah, They're like... only here for the president's son. <laughs> like, they're interested in protecting one person and one person Yeah, only. so I realized like... that if anything goes down, they will throw me to the wolves <laughs> to <laughs> <Yeah>. save him. <laughs> so my anxiety was was high and then it was it was calm and then it went just straight high again. I was like, oh, dang it. Yep. <laughs> we're not safe at all. Yep. But in hindsight, we were perfectly safe. We were perfectly fine. Right, but, right, yeah. Um... <laughs> it's still an interesting thought process to realize like, hmm. Yeah. Well, maybe it'll be a good deterrent, but if it really goes down, then I'm, I'm done. On my own. <laughs> I'm yeah. on my own. Yeah. I realize I'm on my own. So, um, but it was a it was a fun hike. It was tough, but yeah. we went up there. It was about an eight hour hike, and yeah, uh, yeah, that was an experience. the The mountain. We got to the cabin at the top of the mountain, and this man, this man at the top of this mountain, is weird. Mm -hmm. I I don't remember his name, but he's 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 not black. Mm -hmm. I couldn't tell you if he was Haitian or not. If he was born or raised in haiti he yeah. wasn't black mm -hmm. and i don't know what his accent was he had this long stringy hair old yeah very weird man lice but weird mm -hmm. yeah. and for every meal there mm -hmm. all we had was spaghetti hmm, that's weird we had spaghetti for breakfast lunch and dinner all right yeah and he would have like in the living room in the cabin there there was a picture of like there was a picture of jesus on the wall yeah and then right next to that was like a satanic, like upside down goat <laughs> like a, thing. Like a pentagram? Yeah, it was, he was a weird man. <laughs> Very strange what, what man. What a unique individual. Yeah, yeah. So he just, okay. <laughs> um, but uh, that was dirty water. That's all I can remember from that trip Um, in that cabin. I remember the spaghetti and I remember... The shower system was really, really bad. Yeah, I don't know if I trust that. I think I'll just be. Dirty. I think I, I think I did take a shower, but like I closed my eyes and like didn't like didn't like let yeah. it like run into my mouth. I just kind of quickly washed and was like, okay, I'm done. Yeah, it was also really, really cold. So, 
I didn't stay in the showers for too long. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, president's son. Yeah. That's That's bodyguards. It's just bodyguards everywhere all the time. Yeah. So that was that was something new that I had never experienced. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and then I guess another another fun fact to note is shortly after you ended up leaving Haiti, which we'll get into that. Um, the the president at the time, whose whose son was there, uh, he was actually assassinated, mm-hmm. which is uh well that's it, it's always notable when the president of a country gets assassinated. That doesn't happen you know all the time, but um yeah I, I remember hearing about that in the news and it's just yeah wild, wild stuff going on in Haiti still right now, but especially back then. Mm-hmm. Well, tell tell us a little bit about that kind of like your. Tell us about the end of your time in Haiti. So the end of my time in Haiti. Yes. Crazy stuff. So my first year in Haiti was um, calm, apparently, um, for okay. for the country itself. Because my friend Mark, um, growing up in Haiti, he said comparatively, you said my first year, his, my like my personal first year was yeah, yeah. really calm. Like there were protests, but not really too many um, right. to note. Yeah. And um, but my second year, there were tons of riots, tons right. of protests going on. Yeah. yeah. And see what had happened was <laughs> <laughs> um, we had um, apparently 20 years ago. And this is just from what I heard. Right. So this, yeah. The facts yeah. could be. Take it, take it, take sure, it or leave sure. it. Yeah. This is just what I'd heard. Um, Haiti had borrowed money from Venezuela 20 years ago, mm-hmm. 25 years ago, however long ago. Why yeah. you would ever borrow money from Venezuela, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But anyway, yeah. Venezuela said, sure, we'll give you money as long as you pay us back in 20 years. Okay. Um, and Haiti promised to use the money to build their infrastructure and to make their country better and to mm-hmm. help their people and do all this stuff. Right. So 20 years goes by, and my second year of teaching, Venezuela asks for their money back. Yeah. They said, hey, 20 years has gone by. Where's our money? Mm-hmm. Haiti, the Haitian government didn't have the money, right, and didn't re- didn't use the money right. the way they promised, and had had essentially just pocketed the money. Yeah, yeah. Well, the Haitian people found out about this, mm-hmm. and they were pissed, rightfully yeah. so. Rightfully oh, yeah, so, they were yeah. super angry. Yeah, no doubt. So giant riots just mm. broke out all over the country. Yeah, huge protests, giant riots, mm-hmm. violence. Yes. Um. And it got so bad that they had to cancel school mm-hmm. for a while. I want to say about two weeks or so. I I don't know if that's exactly correct. Yeah. I remember when they canceled school. I remember thinking, yeah, no school. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of like having a snow day there. Yeah. Like, yeah. Okay, cool, no school, and yeah. you stay home, watch Netflix for the day, and then you go, mm-hmm. and you go back to school. Yeah. Um. And uh, so the first two days, cool, no school, no school, no school. Yeah, first three days. First four days, no big deal. And I think it wasn't until day five that yeah. um, I started to get really, really anxious because our water had started running out. Oh, yeah. And our food had started running out. Yeah. So we were running out of resources. And mm-hmm. that's when I started to get nervous. That's when everyone kind of started to get pretty nervous. I mean, yeah. we, we weren't that nervous before. Mm-hmm. We just, you, you know, for we just stay in our apartment, little complex. And, um, the apartments there were 
um, we lived like a two minute walk away from the school mm-hmm. and um, the school had these apartments, um, just giant cement buildings yeah. surrounded by a cement wall. Like compound basically. But, yeah, it was essentially, yeah. it was just a compound. Yeah. And um, so we just hang out in the compound for five days, mm-hmm. talking, hanging out, watching Netflix with the internet that we had and some yeah. nights we had it, some nights we didn't, you know, right, it's right. whatever. Yeah. And um, we... Our water supply was underground, mm-hmm, yeah. And you'd have to use electricity mm-hmm. to pump up, to pump up the water from the ground to the cisterns on top of the roof, yeah. And through those cisterns, you could the water would come down to your apartment and sh- use it to shower, use it to for the sink or anything like right, that, right? Right. Um, well, the water we had, there were water trucks that would come to our compound, and these were these were common all around Haiti. So water trucks would come. Fill up the water underground so that yeah. water could be pumped up to the roofs. Okay. Um, well, because of all these protests and riots, the water trucks couldn't make their routes. Right. And so we ran out of water. Mm-hmm. And um, we also had Culligan gallons of water. Okay. Like that was that was drinkable that yeah, we would yeah. use. But those weren't being delivered. Hmm. And um, we couldn't go to the grocery store because the streets were too dangerous. Yeah. I think a couple of a couple of teachers had tried. We they were going to walk to the local grocery store down the road. Mm-hmm. Um, the sketchy one. Yeah. The sketchy grocery store, the nice one you had to drive, but the sketchy one you could. I mean, if you're real desperate yeah. for food, you go to the sketchy grocery store. Right. Um, and you'd walk. We were. I mean, it was. I wasn't a part of this group, but they were walking, and there was a like a local little, rundown bar. Yeah. Right at the end of the street. Mm-hmm. And um, some teachers were walking past that bar and the bar owners were like, you don't want to go. You don't want to keep <laughs> yeah. going. Like, like they 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 stopped and was like, you don't want to keep going. It's there. Mm-hmm. They've got a protest up there and it's it's pretty bad. It's pretty dangerous. Yeah. So you might want to turn back. Mm-hmm. Um, So they couldn't go to the grocery store up there. And a couple of teachers had just said, you know, screw it. We're going to get in the car. We're going to go to the grocery store up the road. Yeah. And um. They drove through some protests and mm-hmm. um, gunshots, boom, 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 started going off. And so they yeah. had to quickly turn around and come back. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that because my my roommate was one of the teachers that went. I wasn't. Yeah. My roommate was one of the teachers that went. And she, of course, immediately got her cell phone out and started recording. <laughs> yeah. And um, so she showed me that video when she got back and it was gunshots going off. So they turned around and came back. They said, nope, we're not doing this. Mm-hmm. So our water supply was running low. Our food supply was running low. Yeah. The electricity was going on and off. Like, you never knew when it was going to work. And it was super, super hot in Haiti. Yeah. So, we didn't... And ACs were... Like, you didn't... They were really, really expensive to mm-hmm. get an AC in your apartment. Right. So, you just had to use fans. Yeah. And um, those are really, really expensive. Yeah. But you buy a fan and that's all you have for the night. Mm-hmm. Um, but the electricity, because the protests were just kind of going on and off. And we would run off of generators, but... It, it just got bad, and sometimes the electricity would go out, and you wouldn't have any fans to keep you cool at, <clears throat> excuse me, to keep you cool at night. Mm-hmm, yeah. Electricity was going out. Food was running <laughs> so low. everything's going, Water yeah, was running bad, low. Yeah. And there's no end in sight right now. Yeah. The American embassy was starting to evacuate all mm-hmm. of their people. Yeah. Um, and we weren't a part of the American embassy, so we were just on right. our own. And they sent everyone an email. It was like, hey, just so you know, if you're an American here in Haiti, we're yeah. not going to try to save you. <laughs> yeah. Unless you're working for us. Like, you were kind of on your own. Yeah. And I was perfectly fine up until our food started running low. Mm-hmm. And our water started running low. That's when I kind of started to panic. And that's mm-hmm. when people started to like, okay, we should really think about leaving. Right. Um, And so I quickly bought a ticket to the States. 
mm-hmm. and left with a group of teachers um, the next morning. Mm-hmm. I think day six. Um, we left at like four in the morning to the airport. Yeah. Um, and we had to leave early because the protests were always scheduled. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, they always started at a certain time during the day, but we left really early and we had a really good chauffeur who made sure to take back roads and take a route to the airport that we weren't going to get caught up with some dangerous protests or that's, riots going yeah, on. That's smart. So um, we made it to the airport, and of course the airport was super, super crowded with everyone trying to leave. Mm-hmm. And the plane ticket was expensive because I bought it the day before, but mm-hmm. you know, I, I I needed to get out. It we is needed what it to get is. out, yeah. and there was no telling when school was going to be open again. Mm-hmm. So um, our principal, I told my principal, I said, yeah, I think I'm going to be, I think I'm leaving, mm-hmm. and yeah. just just text me when it's safe to come back. She said, okay, sounds sounds good. Okay. Some people went to the DR mm-hmm. for yeah. vacation. Some people went to Puerto Rico. Some people just went to Florida. Yeah. Um, I went to, um, my sister lives in Mississippi, so I decided just to get a plane ticket and hang out with her and her family yeah. there for a while until it was safe to come back. Mm-hmm. And I think it was there for a few days. And then the principal texted everyone and said, okay, riots yeah. are done. Safe to come back. <laughs> so I went back. Went back. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It was crazy. It was, it was a crazy time Yeah, to be basically quarantined in your apartment. This was pre-COVID. <laughs> Yeah. So I had never been quarantined for anything mm-hmm. before, and I was stuck yeah. in my apartment for five days, food running low, and yeah, it is. It was. It was scary, and mm-hmm. I thought, you know, as an American, I don't speak fluent Haitian. I I don't have the resources. Right. It it was it was a little scary. Well, I'm sure. So you go back, and then um, um, you stay for a little longer, mm-hmm. um, and then um. Uh, well, well, tell us about that. You go back and then how much? About how much longer do you stay in Haiti? Well, I have to try to think of. I don't really remember when that happened. I I know I only lived there for two years, and right. all that happened my second year. And okay. I, and so when I came back, I stayed till the end of the school year. Okay, for sure. Okay. I I don't remember what time of the year all that took place. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. It was just a busy year. It sounds like. Yeah. So you but, go back, mm-hmm. um, finish out the school year, mm-hmm. um. And then ultimately make the decision to to not stay another year, right? Yeah, yeah. And okay. it was, really wasn't because of the protests and stuff. Right. I had – I wasn't sure if I was going to stay longer than two years. Mm-hmm. Um, and when my director – when the director of the school sat me down and asked if I was staying, I said that I wasn't because there were just other things that I wanted to do in life. Yeah. That I couldn't really do in Haiti. Mm-hmm. So – um. That was kind of just the biggest reason. Yeah. And I think at the time I had my need for adventure mm-hmm. was done. Temporarily satisfied. Yeah, I was temporarily satisfied. <laughs> so I was like, okay, I think I think I'm done. I think I'm ready to go back and yeah. go on to another adventure. Sure. Do something yeah. else. And mm-hmm. so yeah, I, I at the end of the two years I decided to leave mm-hmm. after after escaping protests. Yeah. And Risking my life on the back of a stranger's motorcycle and hiking up, <laughs> yeah, hiking up the highway to hell and <laughs> and being um and being a, an illegal immigrant smuggled into the country, which is a story I didn't tell. <laughs> oh gosh, but yeah, <laughs> so that could be its own episode too. Yeah, that's, so. <laughs> that's a special vacation to the Dominican Republican, Dominican Dominican Republican. I always do Dominican that, man. Republican, yeah. the Dominican Republic, <laughs> and I had. Suffice it to say, it was just it was a mix up with my passport, and yeah. I yeah. <laughs> ended up being snuck into back into Haiti illegal <laughs> illegally. Yeah, it was a weird it was a weird <laughs> vacation. Yeah, uh, but um, 
yeah, so all of that, all of that, um, two years worth, and it was an adventure. Haiti, again, is a beautiful country, but it's also wrought with its own problems. Yeah, oh, and, clearly. Yeah. Yeah. Which okay. is which so. is a shame because it has it has such a beautiful history. Yeah. That it should be proud of. I mean, it's beginning. You should they should be proud of that beginning. Yeah. Um, it's a lot like America's beginning. You know, you mm-hmm. fight for independence and you win. Yeah. And they were the first predominantly black nation to do that. And they, mm-hmm. they are very proud people and they should be proud. Yeah. Unfortunately, they follow that up with <laughs> deforestation and corruption. Yeah. That's what I was gonna say is like every great country that ultimately is ruined, it's ruined by corrupt politicians. Yeah, so. yeah. And, you know, I do feel bad for them because when they did win their independence, the world was still very, very racist. And so mm-hmm. nobody helped them. Yeah, not a lot of support. Not um, a lot of support at all. In fact, I think more countries were trying to reverse that. And they they, yeah. they did not have any support. They were in huge amounts of debt and yeah. things like that. Unlike America, we weren't in the best shape either. But, you know, yeah. we at least had support from france and different countries and you know we were Mm -hmm. i mean we were just fighting for independence from britain and but this was a this was a black people yeah in a very racist world who just won their independence from france and so they weren't getting any help at all so yeah you you know you gotta give them credit where credit is due Mm -hmm. that fight they won was a good fight sure well fought and they won and they deserved their independence for sure sure um but they didn't have any help at the beginning Mm -hmm. um of course, that's no excuse for the way it's run today. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the I mean, yeah. the politicians today are corrupt mm-hmm. and things yeah, like that. It's just an ongoing problem everywhere. Yeah, but so. they just—I hate to say this—but they've just gone downhill. Yeah. Since then. Oh yeah, yeah. No um, doubt. there there are beautiful things to say about the country with a proud history and a, and a beautiful environment outside yeah. of the capital. Mm-hmm. Um, great economy, but they are in a kind of an earthquake zone. Yeah, they're an earthquake zone. They're politically corrupt, and <laughs> they're extremely poor with gang violence galore. Yeah. It, it's just with trash and goats. Yeah, so. and it's just it's just it's just bad. There, all the beautiful beautiful parts of that country just seem to be very overshadowed with all of the turmoil and stuff yeah, going on. Going yeah. on, yeah. yeah. Shame. It is a shame, but yeah, I ended up I ended up leaving there and yeah, moving so, to Mississippi. Cool. So you you end up leaving Haiti. I close that chapter and you move back to Mississippi mm-hmm. um, and you start teaching there, correct? Yep. I start teaching okay. there and I moved to Mississippi because I didn't, it's it's weird coming back after you've lived overseas for two years. Yeah. It's weird coming back to the States mm-hmm. because you're kind of in a reverse culture shock situation. Yeah, I could see that. And um, coming back from a, from living in a third world country to to a first world country like the United States. Yeah. And just kind of going through what I went through. I'm not comparing myself to people who have like true PTSD well, or anything sure. like that, but yeah. there is there is a little bit of PTSD going on. <laughs> oh, um, I'm sure. And I'm having to deal with the peace that mm-hmm. I suddenly have. Yeah, the it's fact just be that, a weird yeah, weird yeah, transition. The fact abrupt. that I don't have to lock up my computer every night. Oh, yeah. In yeah. my cabinets, because, you know, burglary is very common in Haiti. And I, I mm-hmm. knew I locked my computer up every single night. Yeah. And um, and I had a lot of equipment. Like, I had a lot of video equipment there, too. So I had thousands and thousands of dollars worth of equipment that I brought to Haiti. Yeah. And um, fortunately, I, I, I protected mm-hmm. and brought back with me, brought every piece of equipment back with me unharmed. Mm-hmm. 
but um, I lock it up every single night in my bedroom cabinets, lock my bedroom door, you know, lock the apartment door, mm-hmm. and the apartment was locked behind a yeah a, a, a gate. Yeah. Um, but then burglar, I mean, stuff stuff still happened. One of yeah. my teachers' apartments was broken into, so and her computer was stolen. So anyway, I, mm-hmm. I locked up my computer every night, and then coming back to the states. Yeah, it was very, very difficult for me to leave my computer out on the living room table. <laughs> yeah, because I, it was just very, very it was very, yeah. very hard for me to do that. I thought I have to lock it up. I have to lock it up. I have to lock it up. And yeah. that's like that's again, that's not huge PTSD. But there was just there was that sense well, of like just things, yeah. little tiny things here and there mm-hmm. that I I couldn't I couldn't get over. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But um, I moved back. I moved to Mississippi because I didn't want to go back to Dallas. I felt like going mm. back to Dallas would I would be kind of like backtracking in life for some reason. Like, oh, sure. I had yeah. this adventure, and then I just go back to what, the way my life was before. Yeah, like I that was very difficult for me to just imagine and bring myself to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't want to live in Haiti anymore, so I I went to I just I moved to a different place. Yeah. That was I moved to Mississippi because I've never lived in Mississippi, so mm-hmm. it was still an adventure, but. My sister was there, so there was enough uh, like familiar people mm-hmm. for me to yeah. kind of help help get over that culture shock and just yeah, I'm sure that helped the transition. I it mean, did, it did, yeah. it did. So and yeah. I lived there for about less than a year, and that was 2019 is yeah. when I moved back to the states. Yeah, and I moved to okay. Haiti, and I got yeah. a teaching job in Haiti, and I was mm-hmm. teaching and just hanging out with my sister and her family. Yeah, for about half a year. Yeah. Yeah. And then we and then we reconnected. Yes. Yeah. So all of this story ultimately leads up to the most important part, which is me. (laughs) (laughs) All that to say back to me. (laughs) Right. No, no. But I know that, you know, I I had heard through social media that you were back in the States and everything because I I knew that you had gone to Haiti and all that. And that was cool. But um, yeah, you were in Mississippi and then um, you came back to Texas to uh, for Christmas. Mm hmm. So I saw that you're um, back in town and it's like, ah, I should reach out to her and and we should catch up. And so we kind of got reacquainted um, because we hadn't we've known each other for a very long time, but we hadn't seen each other uh, in quite a while. 10 years or so. Yeah. Yeah, After after I graduated college. Yeah. We just kind of went our separate ways and had our own separate adventures. Yeah. We kind of stayed in touch for a little while, I remember. Mm -hmm. But yeah, no. But anyway. Reached out to you and we kind of caught up and uh, and really hit it off. And so, yeah, yeah. Um, fast forward, um, you end up moving back to Texas. Um, we got married. Um, oh, yeah, just <laughs> we have, we have yeah. a baby, <laughs> <laughs> bought a house. Yeah, started yeah. a podcast, started a podcast. And, and here we are now. Yeah, so. that, that's it in a nutshell. So after moving <laughs> back to the States, my life moved pretty fast. Yeah, yeah. We, we did like a lot of big like life achievements, like real quick, really quick. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. and I think to note because I moved back to the States in 2019. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we started dating in 2020, the Jan- January of 2020. Yeah. And we were dating for about three months and I came to Texas to for spring break. Came oh, to Texas right. for spring yeah. break. Yeah, that's right. To hang out with you and to see my parents and stuff, mainly yeah. to hang out with you. Yeah. And sorry, mom and dad. And <laughs> uh and then COVID hit. Yeah, COVID that was spring a new break thing. week. Yeah. yeah. So I was set to leave. I was gonna fly back to Mississippi. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then COVID became a thing and I canceled my flight. And yeah. then I was stuck living with my parents for the next like yeah, four for months a while yeah yeah 
I never yeah. actually went back to Mississippi except to pack up my belongings and move back here. Yeah, and come back to Texas. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Which I know that um, I, I had gone to Mississippi at one point just to go visit you while yeah. you were there. Um, and then I remember we went back to go get your stuff. Um, and Mississippi is a really cool place, by the way. Um, but yeah, yeah, I came back to Texas and then we hit like all the big adult life milestones, like one after the other. We both got new jobs about the same time. Yeah. You, I started, I got a teaching job mm -hmm. here and you started working at your agency. Yeah, at a sheriff's office. And then yeah. we got married. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then we got pregnant. Yeah. Oh, and before that, we bought motorcycles. Yes. Um. Yeah, I, I bought a motorcycle on a whim. Yes. So, yeah, that was cool. Um, I consider that a big life achievement. So, and then I sold the motorcycle recently. Because of the baby. Because of the baby. Yeah. <laughs> I had to trade one baby for a new one, so. <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah. Tell your son that when he's older. <laughs> yeah, he'll understand. <laughs> um, and then we bought a house. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And we started this podcast. And we started a podcast. So, so all all the big things. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Again, I came. I my Haitian adventures were done, and I came back and had new adventures. Yeah. With you. Oh. <laughs> oh. That's the warm and fuzzy for the episode. <laughs> and we're done. Man, that's a lot so, of life. Yeah, that's yeah. that's essentially my story. In a very compressed nutshell. In a very compressed nutshell. Again. Yeah. It's hard to it's hard being interviewed about yourself. I don't really enjoy talking about myself. Yeah. But it's um cuz people are complicated. Yeah. People are so much more than what you read in a magazine. Yeah. Or what you hear in an interview. So much more. Yeah. And Well, it's yeah. weird to talk about yourself and then I don't know about you, but I think it's weird to interview someone who you already know really well yeah so like you're asking them questions that you already know the answers to um but i don't know trying to balance that with like because we could talk about so much more mm -hmm. but i'm done talking about myself <laughs> i'm done <laughs> okay well all right well that's the end of the episode thanks for tuning in everyone <laughs> okay bye oh man i just i'm i i sit there and i say that i hate talking about myself i like to talk Oh yeah, I yeah. really do. I think I'm we not, both do. Yeah, but... I'm, I'm really not a fan of talking about myself all the time. Well, I'm glad that you agreed to um, to sit down for an interview because you're an important part of the the podcast group. Yeah, so... it wouldn't exist without me. That's true. I'm just joking. Well, no, you're you're actually correct because um, I know that I um, and Jones and Fisher and Jace, none of us know how to do the technical stuff that you do. And yeah, so it's yeah, it le legitimately wouldn't exist without you. And I so. just I want everyone to know that this is this is I learn on the fly. We all <laughs> so do. Yeah, I am learning yeah. all this on the fly again. We all do. <laughs> there is a reason why people major in audio engineering. Yeah, that is a very complicated subject that I am learning. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm trying to learn via YouTube, yeah. via Googling, and yeah. it's really difficult. So any mistakes that you see, like visual or audio <laughs> mistakes of anything like 
that's all me. Yeah. <laughs> it's my a- mistake. Anything so that goes wrong is Ashley's fault. Anything that goes that. wrong with this podcast <laughs> is my fault entirely. So yes. just everyone needs to know that. And everyone needs to know that I'm trying. <laughs> I'm learning on the fly. And um, uh, I, I'm trying to make every episode better, technically yeah. better every single time. It's been super fun so far. So I'm glad because yeah. it hasn't been always so much fun for me. Well, yeah, I, I should clarify. It's been fun for me. I get to sit back and all, all I have to do is talk talk and spew my horrible ideas to the world no. so <laughs> meanwhile i'm behind the computer panicking making sure the audio is working and this and that and this and that yeah i don't people don't know but the first episode with jones mm. we yes. shot it and that was the first time so we yeah, had played with the, we had played with the equipment yeah yeah that was the first time we had actually this was it this was the moment yeah this is and so we recorded everything and i was and i was behind the computer and i thought it all sounded great mm-hmm. and jones left and then i started editing it and i realized that something had happened with one of the microphones and yeah. half it didn't pick up half of the episode <laughs> yeah or there was like this weird like clicking There's sound that i couldn't distortion. get rid of him. yeah oh my gosh and like hunter everyone <laughs> hunter can tell you i had a panic attack yeah. i was freaking out it about <laughs> it was really bad he yeah. had to calm me down that's that's a fun fact about our first episode though is that like the last i think like 10 or 15 minutes of that episode was not recorded on the same day that like the first however long yeah. was recorded because mm-hmm. we basically had to reach back out to jones and be like hey Could we don't know why <laughs> yeah we don't know why but the end of this the audio in this episode is is horrible and it's super distorted yeah so can we like re-record it so we showed up the next evening in the same clothes. We wore the same clothes, <laughs> and like we we tried to make it as similar as possible. And then we went back and figured out what we were talking about towards the end there, where the audio started to mess up, and we just started talking about that again. And we <laughs> we finished it out as best we could and stitched it together. And I, I thought it turned out pretty good. Yeah, it even... seems it's pretty seamless. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. <laughs> little does everyone know that I have about had a panic. That whole episode was almost ruined. I about had a panic attack. It was bad. We were just having all sorts of audio issues, mm-hmm. but it's been it's been a lot of learning on the fly, learning on mm-hmm. my part. So I it's again, been that way for all of us. I yeah. I, I apologize in advance for any mis- <laughs> any technical mistakes, visual or audio things, because I'm still learning Whatever. about all this stuff. And I don't know. I think all the the messed up things that we do on this on this podcast just make it more genuine. It's yeah, it's just better that that's way. right. We're yeah. raw. Raw, yeah, that's a good, a good way to put it. I'm too much of a perfection, perfectionist, <laughs> and for that, oh, anyway. Well, is there anything else that you would like to add um, before we close out episode ten three? Gosh, I again, I'm done talking about myself. <laughs> <laughs> I'm done. I'm tired. <laughs> okay, well, I got. I mean, I've got a lot of things to say. Just generally i've got yeah, opinions yeah but um we won't get into that my my spare the audience i'll i'm done talking about myself and i'm gonna go back <laughs> behind the scenes and start doing there's a reason why i'm behind the camera kind of person <laughs> well so all right <laughs> appreciate you sharing um yeah, yeah i guess we're gonna call it an episode um a quick reminder our our challenge still stands um if you can name the the name of the song the name of the ghosts of gray county song that we pull music from to use at the end of each of our episodes um reach out to us on facebook or at our email address and uh give us the name of that song first person to give it to us could be eligible for a pretty cool prize um what is the prize it's a surprise oh my gosh (laughs) it's a surprise (laughs) that was really cheesy 
Thanks. And with that, um, we're going to call it an episode. Thanks for tuning in.